0: And I must keep running, running, and running, running, and running, and running, running, Everybody and welcome to episode 228 of the Weird Science Marvel Comics a podcast. If you're listening to this as it drops on the regular feed, welcome to New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. Uh, if you don't want spoilers to the books that came out on this day I would say go and read your books before listening in Because we will spoil some things here And I usually don't end up bringing that up But because we're doing the show now on Wednesdays as the books drop I think that that is a common courtesy And speaking of which, if you go over to Twitter right now And follow us at WS Marvel Comics, I will follow you back, that's a common courtesy as well And then the common courtesy, you could go to our website to read reviews, and that's Weird Science Marvel Comics.com. We also have a Patreon account, Patreon.com/slash Weird Science, where you can go. Support us for all the things we do on this feed. If you also listen to the DC Comics Podcast, all that stuff, but get a lot of stuff more as you go for as little as a dollar. And one of the things that we do each and every week, me and Brandon get together on Wednesday night, this day here. And we talked two books that are picked in a poll on the Patreon by the badasses of the Get Fresh Crew, beep boop. And this week they picked Juggernaut number two and Spider Woman number five. Now, I did enjoy Juggernaut number one. I remember that was on the Patreon. We had a good time talking about that. So I could see why they picked that. And I think they picked Spider Woman number five so they could hear Brandon lose his mind. uh, Because he does not like that. And we've kind of had, you know. A bit of a uh, struggle getting uh, through uh, that book, though. I am a big Jessica Drew Spider-Woman fan, but we'll see how that goes. And if you want to hear that, you can go over and listen to those two books on the Patreon. Again, patreon.com slash weird science. Now, I'll be joined by Brandon in a little bit. We'll be talking four books with Brandon. But before that goes on, I have a couple books of my own plus some mail. We haven't had mail in a while, so I'll be doing some mail. Pretty cool mail that we ended up getting. And then after, Brandon, I'll be back with a couple more books. This is probably going to be the most books we've ever had on the show. And hopefully that is a trend that will keep going. Now, I do want to ask everybody if you have any comments or whatever. You can email us, even if it's not for the show. And that is at weirdsciencemarvelcomics at gmail.com. As we try to do this a little different, we're going to try to do more and more books on the Wednesday they come out. And I'd like to hear people's thoughts on that. Still going to try to make the episode palatable, not real, real long. We're not going to have a 13 hour podcast like we used to at the DC Comics side of things. But I do want to go and do these books. So, you know, give us a little bit of leadway here, because especially myself, I'm getting used to not having diarrhea of the mouth, you know, that that sort of thing. So sometimes things do tend to go. I want to tighten things up a bit, just letting everybody know. But again, I'd like to hear what everybody thinks about it. As I go off right now and talk two books, two pretty big books, uh, one being a Amazing Spider-Man and the other The Fantastic Four. All right, we'll start with The Amazing Spider-Man, number 50.LR. That is Last Remains. This is an issue called Fallen Order, written by Nick Spencer and Matthew Rosenberg. Art by Federico Vicentini, colors by Marcel Meniez, and V.C.'s Joe Caramanga on Letters. Norman Osborn, formerly a Green Goblin, went from inmate to administrator at Ravencroft Institute until the Sin Eater cleansed him of his sins. Now he has to face everything he's done. He claims that the truth threat behind the Sin Eater, the mysterious villain Kindred, is really his son, Harry. Meanwhile, Peter's spider friends are in trouble. Known as the Order of the Web, They were helping Peter against the Sin Eater when they were consumed by all the sins, cleansed by the Sin Eater, and turned into demonic versions of themselves. Now they are Kindred's puppets with which he plans to wreak havoc on Spider-Man and the rest of New York City. And at the end of this issue, you end up, editor Nick Lowe explains things about how these L.R. issues are going to be. He says that this whole story ...is too big to just contain. You can hope to contain it. You're not going to be able to. It's too big for just the regular numbered issues so we get these LRs. And when we do get these LRs, as we go forward, it's more about the other characters besides Kindred and Peter. Spider-Man, Kindred, their battle is going to be so big that... To deal with Norman. And then even by the end of this, you get Mary Jane, who seemingly is gonna be in this. Also, the Order of the Web, all these things are going to be in these LR issues. And when I ended up talking about issue number 50 last week, if you listen to that, I said I still was pissed off a bit that it took us so long to get to this kindred story. But once we seemingly find out that it's Harry, they're still hinting that there's something weird going on, but I still I do think it's Harry. Uh I was excited to see how this was going to go forward. Now, there is a bit of a, you know, something that you might be scared of if you're the editor or you're Nick Spencer, Matthew Rosenberg. The idea that after that 50, after the big reveal, after all this, you're going to what most people are going to look at as side issue. The LR issues are kind of the side thing. So you, you can't end up losing people. In this issue, since this is the first one kicking off after the big reveal, and I don't think it does I actually really like this issue, whether it's that Nick Spencer is joined by Matthew Rosenberg Whether it's just that this story is a a good story, it's got a good setup, a long setup, but a good setup after issue 49-850 and number 50 Uh, But I do like this, and actually For once in this because this is something DC doesn't do they normally don't have these LR you know side issues like this that we have had before even in this run of Spider-Man and so it's something that I'm not really used to and I didn't like a couple of the times that happened before I like this I like the idea that we're going to spend a little extra time with Norman because of the setup and having him getting his sins purged seeing how he's reacting And then while Peter is off fighting Harry Kindred, you end up here having Norman trying to figure out how he can save his son. It's more about the, he says, the sins of the father, sins of the son, as he's talking to Dr. Kafka, who was going to turn him in after she found out and saw what was going on in the sub levels of Ravencroft Institute with all of the stuff that norman was preparing to do she was going to turn him in but he had convinced her lives are at stake please you got to help me and you're getting a like a psychological look here of norman osborn saying you know the demon took over even starts with the idea i couldn't look in the mirror if i looked in the mirror i might see the demon it might trigger me so i i ended up averting my eyes at any mirrors any reflections things like that and one of the big moments here is when dr Kafka says listen I thought that you changed, Norman. I actually was all into you helping out the administration of Ravencroft because you were a changed man. But now I see you're not because you're not blaming yourself. You're blaming a higher entity, a demon, all these things. And Norman stops her and says, Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I'm not doing that. I blame myself fully. I am to blame for everything. And when you see everything, you see everything. Harry, Green Goblin, Gwen Stacy, all this. I am. I'm the blame for all of it. And so that is pretty cool. Now, in this, you do then continue to see what happened with Spider-Man before he ends up in last issue going off to Doctor Strange when he's in the sub where you end up having all of the sins that the Sin Eater had purged go and attack the sub and take over the Order of the Web. There's not a ton new here. The the stuff that you get here is basically – Spider-Man is going to help save his friends, even if they are demonic and being possessed, and especially because of that, and says, I'm having problems. He's trying to fight them, but he can't hurt them, that sort of thing. And this is all Kindred's plan. You end up seeing Kindred has set up all this stuff. The idea of the Sin Eater getting all the sins, leading to finally getting Norman's sins, taking the Green Goblin stuff to then take that out of the Sin Eater as a demonic entity to go and take over the Order of the Web to attack Peter. You're getting a really cool setup of Kindred's plan. And at this point, you're almost getting, if you're a DC fan, you're almost getting the idea that Kindred is sitting back like Bane and is just wearing down Spider-Man, wearing him down on the physical and emotional level so that when they do confront each other... He's not going to be able to do much, including at this point when he does save the Order of the Web. You have Anya and her spiders go off of her and attack Peter and pretty much put more venom than could take down an elephant that they say. Of course, it's it's Spider-Man, but I do like the idea that Kindred even throws shade. And he's talking through Julia and he's like... Yeah, you know, I know this totem thing that you guys are always on about, but look at these spiders. They're just eating you like food. They don't care about any totem. You're a bunch of jerks. And then and, and ends up having, and he's controlling the, the people. He's controlling the order of the web. They go off, run off, leaving Peter there to fend for himself. And, you know, what we saw, I guess, going off into seeing Doctor Strange. But the big meat of this issue is norman is norman talking to dr Kafka? and dr Kafka even says hey uh when you were down below you you seemed a little delusional and you mentioned kindred and then said it might be your son and norman says it is i think it's harry it is harry and i'm the blame i wish i could just hold my little boy again but i I done messed up I, i did not do the right thing i ended and that's where you get the sins of the father, sins of the son, he blames himself and wants to stop this. He wants to help Harry. It's not, I'm going to go off and kill Harry, or I'm going to uh, you know, do this. Even says, I can't even make this better by me dying. I am a failure. I always thought I was Norman Osborn, the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I'm nothing in life or death. I can't end up letting this happen. Well, you end up getting by the end that Dr. Kafka, as she's listening to this, said, well, you know, there there is hope. As long as you're able to admit that you have a problem, you want to help your son, you want to get back to, you know, being a family, you know, there there's some things. You need kind of a middle-of-the-road arbiter. You need somebody who can kind of get both of you together, sort through all this. And he thinks that this is Dr. Kafka saying she wants to do this. It's not her. She's like, no, no, no. You have to have somebody that is more personal somebody that harry already knows he doesn't know me let's get somebody he already knows and it looks as if what they're going to do is get mary jane she's coming back from that movie nonsense that movie nonsense she was involved in her book where the amazing mary jane was the weirdest book that you ended up if you ever looked at the sales for that book and i'll tell you that book at at points was kind of goofy fun but it was way too goofy and really ridiculous in my mind but The sales of that book went from like issue number one, 120,000. It was one of the best sellers that month. It had a lot of variant covers. But then the next issue just plummeted to 18,000. Then it was up to 70. Then it was was so weird, but it got canceled. And so now Mary Jane is back where she belongs there in this book. But it seems as if she's going to be off helping Norman possibly get Harry back, and I like this Idea of this twofold Story, mainly because I like the idea of Norman And then if Mary Jane's with him Trying to reason, trying to get To kindred Harry In a personal way You know, trying to bring him back without Punching him, or without, you know, webbing him up But in the meantime, we'll get that as well Where he is going to be Attacking Spider-Man, he is really Pissed off, so I like That idea, I actually do like the idea of these, you know, LR issues. As we go, The Last Remains issues, I think that that's cool. Plus, if you are a fan, and right now I am, I'll tell you, full out, I'm a fan of this book at this moment. There are other times when I've been talking about it on the podcast. I love Boomerang. I I like, Gog, I like, but it's just, at that point, we were waiting so much for the big stuff, the kindred stuff. But I even like the idea of, you know, Jay Jonah being the podcaster and things like that, that I want to get back to that stuff eventually. But right now I'm a fan. I'm enjoying these last bunch of issues, and I'm looking forward to what we get next. And I was going to say, if you are a fan, we're going to get a lot of Spider-Man in a row. You end up having Spider-Man coming out pretty much all the time now. And that's that's cool if you're a fan. And with that, Brandon, he ain't a fan. So he isn't reading it, but I'm going to give this an 8.8 out of 10. I am pretty, I'm pretty, you know, positive with this. Now I'm going to go off to a book again, and this might be a theme tonight, because I'm going to go off to a book that I have not been big on. And if you end up thinking, when was the last time we talked about a legitimate Fantastic Four issue on this podcast, it's been a while because I have not, I've been reading it. But I haven't been liking it enough. And I just ended up saying, I'm not going to deal with this. You know, we have other things we're doing and we'll leave this aside. But this is fantastic for number 25, which is a big issue. It was spelled out in all the solicits that there was going to be game changers here. There's going to be a lot of stuff. It's going to change everything. And I thought that this was going to be one of those. Well, who's going to die? Is Johnny going to die or are they going to end up? Pretty much making the Cree and Scroll kids like full out deal. Are they going to replace? And it's more than that. And actually, I really enjoyed this issue, but we'll go on to that now. All right, And Fantastic Four, number 25 is written by Dan Slott. And the big story, There Shall Come a Reckoning, with art by R.B. Silva, colors by Jesus Urbatov, the backup with art by Paco Medina, on Marcelo Menyes, and also you have the fantastic forum in the very back with art by Will Robson, colors by Marcelo Menyes, and letters by VCs Joe Karamanga throughout the whole issue. The fantastic forum is basically about Fogies being in the letters page now. So you have these little emojis of each of the characters, so you know who's responding to your letter. Not as important as the other two things. I'll just let you know that. All right. A brilliant scientist, his best friend, the woman he loves, and her fiery-tempered kid brother. Together, they braved the unknown terrors of outer space and were changed by cosmic rays into something more than merely human. Now, they are the Fantastic Four, and the world will never be the same again. After helping defend the planet from the threat of the interstellar Kotadi, the members of the Fantastic Four are adjusting the changes in their lives back on Earth. Franklin remains torn between his family and his fellow mutants on the island nation of Krakoa. Ben and Alicia are navigating parenthood after adopting two young aliens, Joe, Van and Nikala, who they just call Joe and Nikki. As a family and a team, the Fantastic Four's bonds remain strong, but secrets from within and without will soon test them all. And everybody seems to have secrets here, but everybody really means Sue and Reed. Because there's some things going down here. We end up starting in the Far future of four hours from now, where we see that there is an alien threat uh, being led. There's an alien called the Helmsman who seems to have a right-hand man that he calls my little Coromont uh, or Cormorant and sends this alien to Earth to gather something important. And in this bit of foreshadowing, destroying the Baxter building and leaving the Fantastiques. In the rubble now how do we get to that we end up having Nick Fury going and going to Sue as she has been doing as the super spy stuff in her own book and says that she has to go and go into the Latverian embassy go behind Dr. Doom's painting of his mother to see a box that they don't know what's in it make the box invisible and let's see what Dr. Doom is hiding there. It's kind of a little espionage-type thing. She goes off to do this while the rest of the Fantastic Four are just doing their thing. You have Reed and Val. They're working on some contraptions and stuff, and Val is continuing to impress her father. While you have Mopey Moody Franklin, You know, with he, he just finds out he's mutant, and now he's going full bore. He's like one of those people who they go off to college and then come back uh, that first Thanksgiving break. And all they can talk about is college. You don't want to hear that. You've only been gone a couple months. Please. You know, I, I just want to hear about you. You don't have to tell me about all the neat things that are going on at Southern Cal. Right? So that's what he's doing. And he's gone full out. Statues, posters. He's, I mean, for crying out loud, he's listening to Leela Cheney Dazzler Xtronics remix music. Who's doing that? He ends up saying to Johnny, it's mutant music. You wouldn't get it. And I actually like this idea, and I wish it went a little further, where there's Johnny, cool hip Johnny, who's looked at as the boomer in this. It's like, hey, listen, old man, get out of here. You wouldn't know what's going on. Well, Johnny has shown up to give out the new uniforms, gives it to Franklin. He He's not down with it right then. He's, he's Mr. Mutant going on. And then we get to see Alicia and Thing hanging out with Cree, Joe, little kid Joe, and the Scroll girl nikki as they are preparing to go to bed for their first day of school the next day fourth grade you end up having joe why is everything by fours with everybody here and it's it's a fun little thing where you're gonna have a Cree and a scroll kid go off to elementary school public school it seems and they start to talk about what they're gonna do you end up having the girl scroll, Nikki, she's done some research, pretty much watching 80s movies, 80s and 90s movies where I know what's going to go on. I'm going to transform myself to get in with all the clicks. I'm going to be part of the Mean Girls. I'm going to be a nerd, a jock. and the, Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you might not want to do that. And then you have Joe's like, I know what I'm going to do when I enter the training complex. I'm going to go and assert my dominance on everyone and crush them. And I will get a grade far higher than a four. For the house grim I'll get a 10 or a 20 He doesn't know what he's talking about Ben and Alicia are like Yeah I think that we might have to reconsider this Homeschool And so they're going to be homeschool Which makes so much more sense anyway But while this is going on At the Latvian embassy You have Sue going in to check out this deal She even says it's a good thing That Dr. Doom's back in Latvia Because this could cause Oh no he's here He's there with Victorious and she kind of goes in and then realizes, wait a second, if he's here, he might have some sort of alarm set up for maybe an invisible woman. Oh no, the alarms go off, but they're not for Sue. They're actually going off for this alien entity that we saw at the beginning. The cormorant has entered looking for, you know, you can figure out exactly what Sue is looking for as well this container and dr doom is the best twice in this issue right here where he says everybody victoria stand down don't go near this thing this is from a higher plane of existence we can't even hope to stop it just let it go do its thing and hopefully it won't kill us and by the way sue you can stop being invisible now i know you're here don't do anything either don't do anything stupid it's kind of funny where she's like oh man well this thing gets this like Almost like a star box It's going to get it It's going to open it And Doom says I'll permit you your victory But deny you your prize Hits a button, boom, it explodes It self-destructs And when it does You end up having this cormorant say Helmsman, the thing got destroyed And the helmsman says If it was destroyed Then it wasn't what we were looking for You know, stand down Get out of there Go where you're going And goes off to what would be the Baxter building. And this is where Dr. Doom right away realizes, okay, if it came here, I'm sure that Reed has something really stupid hidden in the Baxter building. What's going on, Sue? What does your husband have hidden there? And she says, he doesn't have anything. I would know it if he did. He doesn't keep secrets from me. And then this is the other part that Dr. Doom is so good. He's like, oh, so you don't keep secrets. He knows all about your spy stuff with Nick Fury, does he? And she's like, I can, I know he's smiling underneath that mask, that jerk. Well, they end up calling Reed. Hey, Reed, do you have anything hidden in the Baxter building? Like something that could destroy the Earth like an alien might want to get? He's like, you say Earth, huh? And she's like, please don't tell me it's something that can destroy the universe. Pretty much what Reed has can destroy everything. It can rip the fabric of time and space apart. He realizes this. All right, we gotta get to the Baxter Building. You also end up while well, that's going on. Not only do we get new uniforms, but we get new communication devices there with emojis there on it it's It's kind of goofy, but it's fun enough. Well, they go and they're all gonna go off to the Baxter Building to try to get to this box, try to get to whatever it is. We still don't know what it is before this alien. And you end up having Val get left behind. They're like, Franklin, you're in. He's like, yes, the big guns. And he gets on the fantastic car. But then they say, Val, you stay behind. You watch Joe and Nikki with Alicia. We'll be back. We'll figure it out. Well, of course, Val, she's not just going to stand by. She starts figuring out what this thing might be. She hears the things over the communication devices and what they've already said. So she starts looking into what this might be. In the Baxter building and figures it out pretty Quickly and her mind's going a mile a minute To try to figure out how it can be Contained now it's good that she's Doing this because when the Alien does get there and we go to That hours ahead it happens Now where the building the Baxter Building's destroyed you have Johnny going and trying to find the Fantastiques, make sure they're okay. Reed says, I I had things set up in the Baxter building that you end up having like almost like pocket dimensions where things will be saved, So they're okay. Um, But while that's going on, they have to deal with this Cormorant, this alien from a higher plane, something that Dr. Doom said, we can't even begin to think that we can stop this. Well, this is where they say, Franklin, it's your time. You go. You can create galaxies. You can make a universe. Go to war with this god and sends him in. And I don't think that Reed realizes just the power that this thing has because you do end up where right before that thing goes to say Clobber in time and going to hit the he gets like boom like a fly across five burrows. You end up where you have Franklin who wants to step up. He wants to give a shout out to his uncle Ben. He's like, hey. This is for Uncle Ben. It's clobbering time. And he does hit this Cormorant and does some damage. In fact, this alien says, I didn't think anything in this existence could even you know, touch me. I will remember you. You should be proud of yourself, little boy, because I'll remember you always. But I'm going to kill you right now. And the problem is, is Franklin, his powers are gone. We've been dealing with this all along up until this point. This is it. He used everything he had. He's drained. He's he's no longer any sort of powers and didn't stop this thing, this cormorant. And that really upsets him. And he's almost dead, where if it wasn't for Sue making a force field to stop the punch from this alien, he would have been dead. And you end up having Sue yell to Reed, get him out of here, which he does. Reed grabs him and goes, but right before that, that's where Franklin says I don't feel any powers anymore. They're gone, Dad. I, I'm not powered. I and I'm nothing. I'm normal. And Reed says, "No, no, no. You're still amazing. You're my boy. Well, you know, I'm proud of you. We'll deal with this later." And goes and takes him off and says, "I know the perfect place to take you now." While all this and it, it's a mile a minute. This is a really action-packed issue. Val figures out what they need to do to end up if this thing and you still don't know what it is in the if it gets unleashed she knows how to contain it she ends up getting the Nikki scroll to pretend that she is She-Hulk so that they can end up getting the fantastic car to go off because Val is locked out she did not pass her driver's test we had that earlier on in the series Alicia she she's trying to stop them and she can't you end up having Nikki Joe And Val go off and Nikki as She-Hulk as they go off to try to help at the Baxter building. While you have Franklin, who is now in, you know, downtown New York. He's going to the big portal that was near their house back. We we saw this mainly. I the big place that we saw this whole deal was in the Fantastic Four versus X-Men miniseries that chip Darsky had and you end up having franklin run to go through the portal he says i'm gonna get a bunch of the children of the atom i'm gonna get all of the mutants they're all gonna get involved he doesn't realize they're all doing tennis sword stuff right now they ain't got time for you franklin but it doesn't matter he doesn't go through the port he just comes out the other side of the portal so it's as if he has lost his powers and now krakoa has pretty much said, we don't no longer, we don't need you. We don't recognize you. He's got to figure this out, and they'll have to figure it out as well. As we go off to the Baxter building again, when all this stuff is going on, you have this alien find this box. And and Reed says, don't worry. I have it in a box that can't be moved, a box that is in a set time. It's kind of a neat idea where you can't possibly move it because it's only in this one bit of set. It moves it. It's going to open it. Yeah, Reed yelled to Sue, please make the casing invisible so it will see. It's not what it wants. You don't want to open this. They're too late. It gets open, and this is where everybody's freaking out. You have all this energy going around. Very Ghostbusters-esque. Well, you end up where Dr. Doom knows exactly what it is as everybody's yelling, oh, my God, what is it? What is it? Reed says it's the zero force. Doom explains this It's the source of pre primordial power An energy that predates Our very existence And he's kind of pissed that Reed ended up discovering it before him But then throws shade later Of not being able to contain it Or have a backup plan if it gets unleashed And what this will do And this is the thing that everybody seems to be excited about And I am too It can rewrite existence This could be a reboot If this is not contained, The universe we know will be rewritten. So they're, they're desperately trying to contain it, and that's when Val shows up. Val knew because she looked in the computer, saw that it was the Zero Force, and knew that if she took a telepod there and put it down, it would end up reconfiguring with the Zero Force to make a forever gate. It's a star gate, but a multiversal one, where right now the Fantastic Four are... There at the former Baxter building, there is a gate where you can go through to any existence known to man and and unknown to man. And so this is something where Reed says, this is now something that everybody's going to want. We have to guard this. You end up having the fantastiques kind of get shoved out of the book because Reed says, listen, we're going to have to take over the Baxter building again. We're going to have to rebuild it around this gate. We're going to have to guard this. But you can stay and help. And they're like, smell you later. We don't need this crap, and they go off, and seemingly that'll be the end of them, or we'll see them show up occasionally later, but this is the big thing. There's a forever gate, and, and Val likes it. She's like, we're the Fantastic Four. We're all about exploration, so this is cool. This is what we're about, right? And they're like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Reed says, what you did today created the most sought-after object in the universe, one that is unstoppable, immovable, and on our doorstep. And that's why they have to guard it They are guarding it You see Reed and Sue on the first watch here And they promise each other No more secrets And it's a funny back and forth Like you had this thing underneath us In in the Baxter building all along When did you do this? And Reed says Well, it was between Galactus and Wakanda You know, somewhere in there And, you know But you're going off and doing these spy missions You didn't tell me about And she's like You were in the Illuminati So don't throw that at me they agree no more secrets so we'll go from there and then you have alicia and thing talking about you know i was thinking and things like is it right that we should try to homeschool the kids because you know our life is crazy this life fantastic we call it is crazy especially for kids do you think that'll be okay and you end up where they're like yeah it'll be fine because val and franklin they ended up being homeschooled in all of this, and they turned out great, right? As you go and see that Val's mind is cracked, she's beautiful mining all over the wall with the, I'm going to do this, and I'm on a roll. Oh, my dad's going to like this. And she's writing all these formulas and theorems on the wall and marker. And then you go off and see that Franklin is pissed because he doesn't have powers, no longer mutant. It seems he's ripped down all of his things. He ripped down the Dazzler poster. He even looks like he might have a keytar. Geet- a Hey, wreck that Actually, it just looks like a keyboard But I wish it was a guitar. But yeah, and then you end up after that It continues with a backup Where you do get the original Watcher He is, Uatu is back We saw this in Empire He's there with the OG Nicholas Fury And talking about all the things that Nick did While he was gone You ended up killing me Then you became the Watcher with part of me All these things Oh, you done messed up All this nonsense that you did But there is a war coming, and Oaktos says, I'm going to need warriors. We're going to need soldiers. Are you in, Nick Fury? Are you going to serve me as a soldier? And he's like, wahoo, and it's going to be continued. So that sets up you know, something coming big as well. So everything in this book really sets up big things, except then we get a backup that shows you <laughs> that the letters page will now have emojis, but they're called. Fogies. all right so everything wasn't huge but it was it was good i really enjoyed this i had a lot of fun this is pretty much my favorite issue of fantastic four since the wedding and then since they ended up where and i i wish i remembered i thought in my mind it's like issue 15 but it was when they ended up where Reed decided to go back to the original, you know, launch deal. And they ended up having that museum with all the stuff. And that was a pretty good issue too. I, I bring this up and I can't even remember what it was because I've been reading them and I just haven't been into the book that much. And I am excited now to be into this. And I'm gonna give this a nine a point a three. And I'm going to go off now. We're going to go off to some mail, a really cool mail that I'm glad we got. uh, Because I was kind of down earlier today and ended up getting a mail that put a smile on my face. And I always like that. But we'll go off to that and then we'll be back with me and Brandon talking some books. Do you have the time to drop me in Brandon line? At Weird Science Mumble Comics at gmail.com we will read them all. At the wrong turn says Mel Cow. Whether they're positive or when they are not. You can give a shout out to your peeps. Make fun of Brandon but not me. It's all for the weekend show. Brandon
1: lives in Buffalo.
0: Here from today. Yo, it's mail call. All right, it is mail call, as Wrong Turn just did say, my and we have one mail tonight. We haven't gotten much mail lately, so I was excited to get a mail from Brian, if you want to be like Brian and be the star of the show. End up emailing us at weirdsciencemarvelcomics at gmail.com. You can talk about anything you want. Doesn't even have to be comics-based, but Brian does have a comment here about some comics here and he says hi jim love your podcast what you may consider a detriment talking non-stop everybody else around me does think that is a real skill in the podcast world it makes for enjoyable listening i listen to your show while i deliver meals for skip the dishes another thing that happens at this house everybody skips the dishes but that's something that's similar to uber eats he says it's not actually physically skipping the dishes." Which again happens a lot In this house He says the first comic I bought Was in 1978 And he's going with the idea that I am interested a lot of times with What people's first comic was What their favorite comic is But I love the idea of What was the comic that you got Did it get you excited about that character Did it show you that these comics Were something that were really cool Because I ended up reading a couple comics Along the way and it never ended up Getting involved fully and that includes Even reading Watchmen And then like okay that's just a thing I'm done I'm going moving on things Until uh, DC's new 52 which a lot of people disparage But it was something I could wrap My head around because of the all new Number ones and he says he Brought his first comic in 1978 I was 8 years old I was on the ferry with My family traveling from my Vancouver island to Vancouver to Visit relatives for Christmas My parents, he's probably a Canucks fan, I would guess. My parents gave each of us kids some money to go to the gift shop and buy a magazine or a comic. I wonder if he was a Trevor Linden fan, because I was. My sisters got little Archies, but I was drawn to the Marvel comics they had there. In particular, I noticed a strange cover with a scared duck being harassed by some street thugs at night. And right away I knew what he was talking about Obviously it is Howard the Duck But he says, I guess I thought it was some kind of twisted Daffy Or Donald Duck comic I bought it and quickly realized it had nothing to do with Daffy or Donald No, no This duck had strange friends Man-Thing, a Conan guy, and a space princess with a metal bikini Which we all love And was capable of saving the universe He was a real anxiety-ridden character And I loved it, eventually After many years, I collected the entire run of 31 comics. I learned a bit about Steve Gerber, the creator and his conflicts with Marvel Comics, and his later invention of Destroyer Duck. And what's cool about this whole deal is Reggie, who sadly passed away, and a lot of people who just would listen to the Marvel Comics podcast may not know reggie or remember reggie but it was a huge thing in my life especially with comics and a real good friend but he ended up doing at the beginning of our podcast if you go back the very beginning we ended up having a marvel reading club type thing where i believe we talked about the first issue of fantastic four and that was a lot of fun and then me and reggie did a lot of stuff he was on the dc podcast a while, and then ended up he ended up having a stroke As we were kind of starting out with the Marvel thing, things like that. So at one point, there were plans for him to get more and more involved in this. And sadly, that never came to be. But he says, quick question. How do you record and create the Weird Al-esque songs you have on your show? Do you just press record on the tape recorder and sing over some karaoke instrumentals you downloaded from Napster? That'd be awesome, right? Have a boombox, sit there. My Adidas, that's what I'd do if I had a boombox. box. doesn't matter me. They're great. Just curious. What I end up doing is I have the program on my computer, Audacity, that I use to end up editing all the podcasts that I do. And, in fact, I do end up downloading a lot of times the karaoke versions of the songs and then sing on top of them on This whole deal with my setup that I have going on. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. I probably have twice as many songs that don't make the cut. And really, some of them that do make the cut, you're probably sitting there thinking, Boy, that one stunk. And I wonder how bad the ones that don't make the cut end up doing. Don't say that to me because it would make me very sad. It would make me very sad. And just to Do a, a deal with this I ended up when I went to college with. If you just listen to the Marvel Comics podcast I haven't really divulged A lot of my past But if you listen to the DC one You'll know a lot of these things But when I went to college at West Virginia I ended up waiting and paying my way And then when I got there I needed to get a job And I had the chance to either get a You know a job at a fast food restaurant Or whatever Or join a cover band that I ended up doing I joined a cover band Even though I am as shy as Anybody you'll ever meet So I ended up having to get really really drunk Drunker than Brandon probably has ever been But that's a lie because he's a drunkard But really having to do that to be able to sing In front of people and in the cover band That kind of let me You know kind of spread my wings And fly a little but maybe I flew too close To the sun at points Now I ended up paying for college Being in a band being in a cover band and it was a lot of fun. So, when I started the podcast at first, I was kind of nervous about doing any sort of thing, but I love parody songs and saying the Weird Al esque songs is that is solid gold. That is something, Brian, I have to thank you for saying because Weird Al, one of my heroes, one of my crazy heroes. Also, I love Morning Zoo shows on the radio. I love radio broadcastings and stuff. And that's pretty much why I have a soundboard with nonsense stuff I should to, be back in to school. throw in here because really I am trying to have, you know, a morning zoo deal going. But yeah, that's how I make those. Like I said, uh right now I've been sick for about a week and a half and I'm getting sick again. I ended up if you were listening to especially I think it was the Marvel uh X-Men podcast. That was Marvel. The X-Men podcast I just did. I had no voice at all, and I struggled, and now I have my voice back just in time to get a sinus infection, and I don't get sick very often, but I am recording down here in what I joke is the black mold studios. I I joke because I care, and I joke because I can see black mold right where I'm sitting here, and and I think in my days of playing Dungeons and Dragons as a kid, I think the black mold is starting to come and attack me. So there and he says anyway I gotta go and take my kids to school And my kids are homeschooled At the moment because of the COVID uh, But some of them Seem to think that that means No school and they are Going to have the whip cracked soon Because they are being Nonsense but he says you Your fan I would like more My friend Brian Pankratz And he's from The Vancouver area so He also must like Pavel Bure, one of my favorites of all time. So, And he'll end up like, just because I'm from Canada and Vancouver, jerk, doesn't mean I like the Canucks or hockey, jerk. That's what he's probably thinking right now. But thank you, Brian. Thank you so much. I ended up saying into this I was having some problems today only because some guy on Twitter ends up, you know, tweeting, hey, I'm going to check out your podcast. And then kind of comes back and says it was horrible. I'm like, thanks a lot. Thanks for breaking my heart. (laughs) Like, why not just say nothing, right? Why do you have to end up upsetting me? And I I prefer, you know, quick reviews. And I like the YouTubes. I'm like, well, then stick to the YouTubes, buddy. They don't need you. I don't need your nonsense because I am a sensitive fellow, whether you know it or not. I have a sensitive soul, I do. And somewhere deep inside the pit of despair I call a heart, uh, there is some love too Love, it's all inside of us We just have to find it But I'm going to go off now to find that love With me and Brandon And me and Brandon are going to be talking about four books But not the best book of the week Because I'll be back with that After me and Brandon talking, of course, that is Daredevil I just want to spoil it because I love that book uh, So off we go To a Brandon and me Talking some non-Daredevil books <laughs> clock up there in Buffalo Brandon's been drinking all day and I gotta get him for the show Oh no Well I can't get a hold of him Oh that ain't right He must be passed out drunk so that means no Brandon tonight Brandon's lame you heard, Brandon's lame His family's a shame little girl wants to change her name Ah, yes, Brandon is lame, but are these books lame, Brandon? Are these books we're going to talk about yes. lame coming up? I wish yeah, I was drunk and I passed out <laughs> <laughs> ah, Maybe you then would have thought mm. that the Bills won yesterday, right? I oh like my, I thought they might have out. I actually thought it was one of those weird yeah, uh, games that if you were a Chiefs fan, and it happens a lot, where you end up letting a team just hang on, hang on, and then you lose, yeah, win. At points, it. even the announcers were saying, this game is not <laughs> close. The score might be close, but the Bills, they played like garbage and still played way better than the Eagles. Eagles are done. It's so crazy where you have the Cowboys are the division leaders with two wins. This oh, whole God. deal is nonsense, <laughs> and, and both the Eagles and Dallas are just decimated with injuries regan eagles have two more injuries now that they they're done they're just completely done but what isn't done are these books brandon they're they're continuing right they're monthly books that continue and we actually even have a number one and a number two kind of seems like what you do after the game right a number one and two (laughs) i I don't have my uh i don't have my rim shot here to emphasize the jokes, and so people won't realize that those are jokes. Let me grab that real quick there, and hey! Yeah, and with these, we end up starting, we're going to start with Venom. I don't think we're going to take a ton of time with these books. Uh, some of them just kind of sit there not doing much. Uh, Venom, at least we have this Venom Beyond, but even this issue, which is the penultimate issue of The arc. Uh, it just it, it's involved not only with a lot of recap, but also I'm I'm about to read the recap page. And it's like a novel. Holy moly. It's written by Donny Cates and it is it is uh, Venom number twenty nine. And it's written by Donny Cates, art by Luke Ross, uh, Jesus Arbatov on colors and V.C.'s Clayton Cowell's on letters. It's Venom Beyond Part Four. After accidentally traveling through an interdimensional gate while fighting with the villain virus, Eddie Brock and his son Dylan found themselves in an unrecognizable New York City run by men named Codex and it's funny because I wish we did get a little more of the city. These are things that happen a lot in these books. It happened recently when you end up having the Avengers
1: Venomized Avengers too for a Yeah only, and then that was I don't know a few pages really of that. And really that first I
0: mission. think is the that's the unrecognizable part, it seems, right? Because you didn't really get much. Yeah, you had a lot of banners and a lot of like you know symbiote banners and things like that, but not much with that. And I, was saying, I don't know that you have ditched Avengers. Every time I talk about it, I have to mention that you were down on it way before a lot of other people, but for reasons they are becoming down with it now. Um, but even that, you had the age of Kanchu and you have this big idea of the city, the world being transformed, stuff like that. I, I know that the fun of like a story like this Venom Beyond being the characters, being the differences in the characters. I hate when you end up with something like this where you just have a couple characters and they're in the sewers. Like you don't get to see and <laughs> yeah. have the fun. You get you, to see you, the, we did the have...
1: fun world from the, the least fun vantage point.
0: Yeah, and and the least fun vantage point really is being talked about it and not seeing it, and that's what we're getting a lot in this. And I wish that we just got a little more out and about, uh, which we we still won't in this. But this unfamiliar landscape is filled with a hive of symbiotes that replaced humanity, save for a few human rebel soldiers led by this universe's Agent Venom, Eddie's wife, Annie, or ex-wife. Annie laying Annie reveals to Eddie That this universe Is Eddie died I mean I'm telling you This is just This is going to tell you Everything you need to know If you really want to Jump into this You can just read this And usually it's like The last issue They let us know Jeez Annie reveals to Eddie that this universe's Eddie uh, died and Annie became Venom. During the reveal of Annie's Sikh team of agents, including Peter Parker, Wade Wilson, Andy Benton, and Cletus Cassidy, they were attacked by a wave of symbiote sent by Codex. They narrowly escaped thanks to an explosion called by Agent Deadpool. Meanwhile, Codex Unmasked Virus, exposing his identity as Mac Gargan, the original Scorpion, and one-time host of the Venom symbiote, who blamed Eddie for paralyzing his legs. Codex provided Mac with a symbiote under the condition he must work for him, Mac Gargan agreed. once again became the scorpion did you ever get the idea that he agreed or or that was kind of forced more on him it was like one of those wink winks do you you want this if he said no he's dead after venom and annie's (laughs) tech uh, team reached their safe house a lab run by the universe's reed richards and he revealed that codex is this universe's dylan brock so there you go and even with that one of the big wow moments in this i know that's the longest recap we've ever had this is one of those where. Cletus Cassidy being part of this team, there, there's a wild wow moment. Eddie freaks out. What are you doing with this guy? He's and then he disappears. Right? Yeah, you, you don't, don't really get all. much of anything here. Yeah, Deadpool. He ends up exploding, but he comes back. Right, he comes back rolling like in right him. here. But uh, you know, basically, what this has done is once you find out Codex is Dylan of this world. The focus has gone from any of the other things that would be neat or fun. The focus now is Dylan, Codex, and what does that mean to our worlds, Dylan? Is this going to give you hints of what would happen with Dylan? Is this kind of like the same thing where Dylan of both worlds and, and something little, slight little thing, maybe like a null coming up might cause him to be crazy? Because this Codex, this Dylan, really plays off like he is this world's null That he is there He's controlling the symbiotes And even the funny thing about it is As this goes in You end up having Annie was freaking out and like, Don't touch me, Eddie You're not my Eddie It's like, whoa, 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 lady I'm not, I'm not trying to do anything they, like that They seem to
1: be getting along perfectly fine there And I didn't yeah. get the hint He was suddenly confusing her And falling in love with this no, version no. of Annie He's either. just trying to talk
0: And, and even it's when Dylan sudden, says like, I, understand. I don't know, brain yeah.
1: fart by Annie Ah, oh, get away from me
0: yeah, get away. And then even Dylan steps in and goes, Listen, I know you're not my mom. I didn't have a mom. I understand all this, but there is a kind of a, a little, I don't know. It, it's funny in a bad way. The idea that Annie's like, Well, doesn't your Dylan have this power, this power, this power? Eddie has no idea. He's like, No. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> he has almost everything that they are saying, and it could be trouble. But to get to the point of this issue, you end up where we already see. This is Dylan who's codex. I don't know that we necessarily have to go back and spell out completely that Annie's the mother. You could have just had that. <laughs> but you go back in time for when she's telling Peter, listen, you know, I'm pregnant, I'm gonna and and it's weird too, because he's like, Who's the father? And she says, I don't even know. And I'm like, Really? Like we're we gonna have to go on Maury. And I thought that maybe it was a symbiotic thing, that they were gonna she was gonna say, Well, I don't know that there's necess- no, no, no. She she was sleeping around in, in this world and she has no idea. But with that, you end up having that setup that when Dylan left her, he grabbed part of the symbiote. There's a lot of things that are just thrown out there, and that's how he's used to go and control the Avengers And he's turned the whole world Into a hive mind that he controls And she even says at a point Where she like goes into his room And he's drawing the null symbol On the, the wall and things <laughs> like that uh, That's when you send him away Right, that's that's when yeah. you get The real big hint that he needs to go To whatever this world's Ravencroft Institute is Take him somewhere else because everybody has problems there but, but at least you know it's there But you end up with this deal of Okay, there he is. He has that part of the symbiote like our Dylan had, but it was Cletus. You know, all this stuff going on to just, in my mind, just go, oh, no, we better watch out for Dylan. Well, the thing is, we were already watching out for Dylan. We already had our ideas that when Noel came, there could be a lot of trouble with Dylan, things like that. And that's what it seems like this is all going to boil down to where I believe at the end of next issue, when they do go back to our regular deal... You'll have Dylan maybe prove himself to be a little better uh, than this. And this is, you know, this is almost if you're a DC fan. This is like the Earth 3 Dylan, the bad Dylan, and maybe ours isn't so. But even with that, you end up with, it's a lot of recap. It's a lot of recap about, you know, the whole deal with this version of Dylan and Codex. And that he ended up seemingly... Making everybody have symbiotes, but then he controlled them. Then it became a slave hive mind type deal. But really, what else is there about it? Because then all of a sudden, There's Deadpool comes running really. in. No, no, Deadpool comes running. Well, Deadpool comes running in. He, he throws his head ahead of time. You know, it, that's kind of a cool hail mary head throw to say, "Everybody, run!" We- we've been tracked down, and that's where you see Scorpion. You see Matt Gargan come in. But even that is weird. Because you end up yeah. having this, and that's, Eddie that's and Dylan team issue, up. But. It is. But Eddie and Dylan team up to zap him, take the symbiote out, and then Eddie's confused, like, oh, man, Mac, you were virus? Yeah, yeah, I was, because I'm pissed you paralyzed me. Oh, man, you got to get over that. I can't get over it. You don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he just sits up, like, are we supposed to be having emotions here? Because could feel like later a rough on, scene at yeah, yeah, and later on, there's going to be a scene, not quite like this, but a scene with Daredevil and Spider-Man that I will talk about that I actually did get some feels, and I actually wondered, like, how did I get these feels? Because these two characters have been against each other for bits. Here, all of a sudden, it's just out of nowhere. It's out of nowhere to be like, oh, man, sorry, Mac, you know. I- I- I'm i sorry I did this, and we'll make things better. And then you have a pretty kick-ass ending you know cliffhanger deal with this whole group going that you know and basically now we have the scent we we kind of smell the symbiote here that was on you we got it dissipated off you now you're going to tell us where codex is because we're taking the fight to him and my my biggest problem here is the fact that this codex dylan is supposed to be the big bad of the world and we've wasted too much time to get to him i i just hope uh, i hope it's not rushed but it feels like if there's one more issue what are you going to do to a codex dylan in one issue that is going to feel earned and not forced in but we'll we'll see i like this art i think the art is really good i i like the part you know when they are attacking i like seeing dylan and eddie do things together anyway and maybe you know seeing some things that they can do but the the stuff with Annie in the background and, and that sort of thing, it really didn't mean much to me. Only because we we barely know the characters and what we got, you can kind of guess. I mean, you can kind of guess that Dylan is hers, you know, the way it was, and that he's bad. I mean, well, do you have any other thoughts of it?
1: No, no, I, I think that's exactly what it is. And and I I don't know it the until the Matt Gargan point of the issue really kind of kicked into gear that, and it's not that it was super exciting in and of its own, but it just a recap in the beginning. And it was just a slow burn to, to kind of get through this placeholder story, even in the Venom series. Like, it just doesn't feel like this yeah. matters all that much. You know, we're just messing around in an alternate universe till the real. Real kind of event starts yeah, that and happens
0: Really, again, I always bring up DC stuff, but this really feels like what you ended up having. Justice League ending up after Scott Snyder left, and you have to wait for Death Metal. You end up having a placeholder deal. At least this has to do with the story, and it's kind of a neat little, you know, Venom Beyond thing I, I written feel like by Casey gonna Cates, Show up next
1: issue and just. Take them off again. Yeah, and well, then that's that's all I,
0: I keep thinking. That's what's going to happen. They're about to die, and Maker's like, "Zippity dude dah, back we go." Or, "Oh my God, you got to come with me. It's your kids, Marty. You know, you're just going to back <laughs> to the future. nonsense sense yeah. going." But overall, uh, though, what would you give this? Uh,
1: I would give this a six point eight. I think just just because of the sheer amount of recap, like this is yeah. not a story I've been super invested in, but I feel like has now been told to me twice uh because I did read all the issues prior to coming into this one. So aside from the Gargan stuff at the end where, where there were there were a little bit of forced emotions and rushing a conclusion to that. Uh, I I didn't enjoy it a whole lot The art was pretty good though I did like
0: it Yeah I'm going to go art wise I'm going to go positive with the seven But yeah I'm with you though It kind of is like hey we already read this part And then what new stuff we got until that Gargan fight You could have guessed I know that you want to show it anyway But it goes on a little bit too long But we're going to move on to the next book I said Rapid Fire rapid fire tonight <laughs> with these because they just a lot these books just don't have a lot of meat and cheese to them it just kind there's, of there's is actually there.
1: two of them coming up here i feel like i've missed something in between well, even though i've you read every that, issue of the series
0: yeah. you're giving a hint of which ones because it couldn't be werewolf by night because that's <laughs> the number one <laughs> that, that couldn't be because you didn't mess it. but werewolf by night number one is written by taboo and if you don't know who Taboo is, he's the black-eyed pea that is not Will I M, or Fergie. That's how I uh, always say he's it. He's the one nobody and B knows. Earl. <laughs> I, I like Taboo actually. He always looks real cool. Taboo. Now there is another one. I mean, Taboo is not the least known in my mind. He's only the second least known. But art by Scott Eaton, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Miroslav Mirva, and somebody there needs to uh, get a vowel. MRVA. Letters by <laughs> VC's Joe Sabino. During the day, he may appear as a normal man or teenager, but when the sun sets and darkness falls, he becomes a werewolf by night. That is the whole recap. doesn't even need a full moon. That's, that's about no, all I can out of this. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. If you have never read – have you read any Werewolf by Night? Uh, here and there, a little bit. You know, no, I, I, have, I have read some things where he was more of a um, guest star. I read a Moon Knight story where he was a guest star once. Yeah, time that was I the first I...
1: issue of uh, Moon Knight was ever in was a Werewolf by Night. I okay, think.
0: well, that's why I did it. It was probably a Moon Knight number one deal that I did on Patreon. That's probably why. And uh, also – Reggie, you know, boom, little shout out. He was a big werewolf by night. You could, you can tell the weird books Reggie would like, and this is right there. So he did have me read a couple of deals, and it's Jack Russell, Werewolf by Night. Now, this is Jake, and it's seemingly trying to hint that it's his son. You end up with a little bit of the differences, though, because this is a teen werewolf by night, and he is somebody who... uh Can control the werewolf You usually don't have that as much You usually have where the werewolf comes There's trouble This werewolf by night He can control it Which ends up making him a little less deadly And there was a thing where Taboo Was talking about this And he said that they wanted to make it more PG They wanted to make it more For you know all ages type deal That's why it's a teenager That's also why he can control himself and not kill himself as much and it's going to be one of those where there's a couple groups that'll probably you know end up screaming and yelling that this is an sjw book and things like that and i don't <laughs> mind that either way uh what i do want though is a story that progresses in a way that i can kind of get into the story itself and learn about the characters and there are weird progressions in this i think the pacing of this first issue is way off i don't think that it is something that if you are going to jump into this for the first time, I'm worried that the pacing is going to end up making a lot of people get turned off because it doesn't grip me the whole way. It's not something that I'm, I'm, you know, turning pages. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because you're having some moments and you're waiting for a little more explanation, maybe. You're waiting for how it ties. And then you just go off to another scene. And you're being yeah, you introduced go off to totally to,
1: different characters. Yeah, yeah,
0: totally different. Like Red Wolf, you have, and and these are classic characters going on. But you end up having these things where you start off with these pieces of crap, and and really, if you're going to start off with people doing bad things, I don't know shooting jackrabbits in the arizona desert is the way to do it but they end up on tribal <laughs> land that's <laughs> the, the big you deal you want to
1: die on to really start a giant I mean, fight this is, right this is, is the thing rabbits. that i'm
0: thinking and seriously though <laughs> look at the armament these guys have and, and they are in this yeah they may be going for more yeah they're shooting 50 jackrabbits here, here oh my god this one guy has a weapon that I think you don't even get anything this powerful in Call of Duty. I mean, this thing is yeah, the humongous. Mi- the U.S. military
1: it's, comes to him when they want to borrow weaponry.
0: He has a mounted scoped weapon <laughs> on the back it's of a, a truck in the shoe. And the best is they miss the rabbit. They're, they're not even that good. But it's, it's one of those. They're out drinking. They, got, I mean, look at this. They got a truck. They got a bunch of beer. They got dirt bikes. Everybody's armed to the teeth. And, and and they're shooting jackrabbits. Uh, like, what? What's going on? But, again, maybe they're doing more. I don't know. But you end up yeah. having, uh, you know, the two main characters show up. And, of course, one of them is the Werewolf by Night. And that's the thing. When you do get through this all, it's when you end up where, okay, Looks he like bluebird. can control himself. Yeah, it does, actually. It does uh, <laughs> a lot look like a bluebird. But, yeah, and, and you're going to. End up, you know, kind of easing into this and figuring out that you know Jake Werewolf by Night, his girlfriend, and then you just zip away. Uh, You know, you don't even. And I'll be honest, I was more invested in this
1: book at the very beginning. And when they start going into the Red Wolf territory, that's when I almost become disinterested in it. And it's my my interest kind of peaks back at the end when when it's more the werewolf characters again. I, I just don't. Yeah, and Enjoy the, I want a more werewolf.
0: End up I want a more yeah, werewolf, That's exactly. what I wanted. And <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And he's there and he's, he's wrecking house. He ends up wrecking house here with, you know, these pieces of crap. But then when they get done, it's just like, and you end up with his girlfriend. She has to eat the back Henry in. in the back. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool, right? <laughs> you grab that thing. Um, Yeah, <laughs> you find out that music sues the, you know, savage beast. You get all these things going on here. Um, but Molly is his girlfriend, by the way. Molly is able to sue them back. But again, he can still control himself a bit. But Molly and the grandma, okay. You know, it kind of goes like, again, there's a weird shift in pacing when you go back to them. Because after this, but I wouldn't have minded just having them throughout. But you end up then having Red Wolf, which leads him <laughs> leads to the craziest scene here. Where in Arizona, they end up at, <laughs> at a facility- where there is a weird... Hive mind type kid that is uploading and downloading uh, stuff. This scene the was terrible. Mind, I didn't
1: like this scene at all. No,
0: and it's this kid who's like the path mind, and I'm doing this, and I'm gonna rule the it world. It's like and I can Brainiac pull the hooked better. up to
1: a computer there. It's for so a weird. Yeah. It's like
0: Brainiac, uh, you know, with a head that it's an looks organic like organic Brainiac
1: almost like it's something. Path like, mind. I don't know. And,
0: and when they go, Path mind is like this young kid who thinks I can do things better. I'm gonna. And they just end up capturing him and going off. They're done. Yeah. And it's like, we're taking he looks you totally down. totally
1: different once captured, too. I know. I yeah. was a 100% through. I'm like, who's this dude they suddenly had? I thought that was Red Wolf happened? again.
0: <laughs> it doesn't look. Even one panel of the next right above each other. I'm like, no, at one point he looks like a... Justin Bieber, like thirteen-year-old kid, and then he looks like a thirty-five-year-old Steve Buscemi or something. It was yeah, really the odd. was
1: very changed. cartoony for a couple yeah. pages too, and then it goes back to like serious and detailed. And I'm like, I don't know and, what's going on here.
0: And again, it's like, hey, uh, what's going on with with this kid? Uh we're gonna we're gonna we got to get him help. Then you just go off to Walmart. And go back yeah. to Jake Walmart who, and YBox Molly, once <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Molly and Jake There are in Walmart And they're throwing shade at a guy who's buying An Xbox at 6am Who the hell are you buying at 6am What does it matter what, if you're buying a, An Xbox This, this becomes like three panels it seems Like why is he getting that I don't know, maybe he wants to surprise his kids Yeah, what is he going to do, go and play to Madden? I'm like, I don't know what's going on And I think that this is like where you end Maybe up he getting works third
1: shift and this is the only time he can yeah, buy a wheelchair. Why wildlife? is he getting shaved for this? What's I don't that? know. <laughs> and, and the
0: idea, it seems like it's supposed to be like a natural dialogue type thing, but even then it's like, oh man, look at this. I is it coffee that she's looking at? Because it doesn't have enough uh, you know, detail. So I don't know even what she's talking about. Yeah. Look at this. This has low row ethylene. I'm like, I don't want that. What's that? Low row. Of you, coffee. you don't even I, get I don't... an idea
1: of what aisle they're in in the supermarket. That's what, I, that's what I'm because saying. One it looks person like is coffee. buying Y boxes, and the other person is is criticizing the ingredients of, of ingredients the... <laughs>
0: of what looks like coffee. And also, if you look, it looks like there's there's meat at one point too, and hanging up, uh, you know, kind of uh, lunch meat. I I don't know what's going on. Whatever it is, this whole scene. You, you get... This
1: whole scene took my score it's, down it's one point nothing. because I'm like, I don't and, understand the point of it.
0: And with that, you end up where. You're getting this idea where Molly, you know, here's Jake. He's a a werewolf. It runs in his family. He talks about all this. It is like Teen Wolf. Uh, You know, we'll just keep talking every Michael J. Fox movie. (laughs) And I love Teen Wolf, not Teen Wolf 2 with Jason Bateman. That's nonsense. But you end up with this where she wants to do more with Jake's abilities. Jake is like, slow your roll. You're not the werewolf. I just want to be cool. I want to be cool like Teen Wolf. I'll go and just slam some basketballs and wear some shades. That's what I do. Urban surfing on top of a, a van with styles. But he doesn't. So she's like, you're a super monster. We could do more. We could do so much more. And We should start where you work." And you barely get the idea that he ends up working at Life Pharmaceuticals. Yeah. She said, They try to sum it up,
1: too, in the first page of the issue. With the guy's those- wearing a yeah. shirt.
0: Yeah. And you thought when you see her life, I thought, Oh, they're going with that first scene like those guys were up to no good. No, those were just just jack-offs. random
1: shirt he had on.
0: It was yeah, just like shooting jackrabbits with me. I'm telling you, arm <laughs> to the teeth. And they go back to grandma, you know, Molly, and, and this is the whole deal. And it goes. And the thing is, if you're going to play around with his dad, your dad's in jail. Your dad was bad. Your dad's in jail. Just give us a little more idea of what's going on, because it keeps coming up. And then nobody goes further. It just ends with, you know, oh, man, you know, my dad was a jerk. Yeah, but he he ended up not really being raised well. Well, thank God you're raising me well, granny. All right, let's go. And then she even starts telling stories that really hit a brick wall and don't mean much to me, because at one point she's telling the story about the little girl who was raising a red and a gray wolf. And I'm thinking the idea of this is that. The red wolf gives the kisses. The red wolf is nice. The gray wolf is mean. I thought the story was going to wrap around that. Sometimes you need the tough love. Sometimes you need the gray wolf to be able to get. No, no, no. It just ends with and eh, the gray wolf got mad. <laughs> it ends, with, he ends up. You go to see his work. Again, another transition. You're boom at this work with another guy.
1: Too.
0: They're cleaning toilets. They get word. And he's also trying to find his grandfather's trunk that his Father ended up selling his tribal wear that he ended up selling Headdress, because he wanted yeah. a cheap weekend in Vegas. So you end up, he found it. And it's just like, I found it. Then you move on to the next thing. There's a lot of stuff just thrown at you. But they're cleaning toilets when all of a sudden the big wig shows up. Mr. Wagner says, I need you guys to help scrub lab A. Last night, there was a little bit of murder there, it seems. so, And didn't you <laughs> think at points where the idea was that that's where Red Wolf was with yes. the pa- Pathmine? Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't 100%. seem to be. It seems that they are. And and really, overall, this whole thing is based on that. A lot of people on the reservation are going missing. There's Nobody's looking into it as much. There's a racial thing going on. You even have a racial bit here where this guy, Mr. Wagner, when they do go up to— Lab A that looks like it's full out contamination. Everybody's in hazmat suits. You end up having Jake, shouldn't we be wearing a hazmat suit? And he goes, no, no, no. You natives are made of sturdier stock, which is going to be the, you know, pretty much foreshadowing. That's why we use you for experiments because they've been getting. The problem is, though, he's not wearing a suit either, the the main guy. So why would you think anything is up? But I think that that might have been a little bit of a snafu. But yes crap has gone wrong this guy looks like Elon Musk too does he not yeah he does I think he's supposed to and so what is going on here is that there's been some problems they don't know what hey and and it's like clean up all like the the human goo and blood in the cracks because we're not doing anything wrong it's that's no question over the top about the idea of like listen we are into some real bad stuff here but Can you clean up the cracks and stuff? Make it good because we have a presentation tonight to some evil people and they go off. There's going to be a discussion and you do end up then seeing that uh, Jake, he ends up having super hearing. He's got werewolf hearing even not as a werewolf. He can hear this and he does hear these bad people talking about how there was some problems the night before and we're going to get some more shipments and stuff which leads, you know, okay this is what we have to stop. But then Boom, we go back to their home where Granny's you know, going to tell stories. They're all pissed off that there's too much hair on the top. Yeah, back to it's Granny just, time. Not, nothing ever progresses to a point where you want to keep re- – it's like you keep going up hills and then down, and now you're back down in the valley. you got to climb up another hill to get to the next part. Yeah, they because really modeling how,
1: how to do slow moments in this book. I mean, yeah, there is and, well, a
0: lot of slow moments. Well, then Jake and uh, here's the other one where Jake and Molly, they're looking you know, they're there and they have infrared goggles. They're there outside the life deal. You end up where I thought basically this was Red Wolf and his partner that goes by. But it, it doesn't seem then afterwards, because when they go and overturn things and go, they do find some of the captured people that were heading out to get taken for experiments in this life pharmaceuticals and then out of nowhere you get the end watch out and you got the monster squad here i don't know what happened i mean all of a sudden you got hyena man this is not a turn i
1: expected things to take here
0: it's hyena man, bug guy, and, and girl. Looks like she might be in the outback of Australia. You know, fighting in, in freaking nonsense. The alien in the back looks like
1: we just joined Starship Troopers.
0: Yeah, I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, it's like, holy <laughs> crap! You, you, it's we. It's a weird book that tried to throw too much at us, but didn't progress it enough to make it even. You end up. Stopping and starting and stopping and starting Stopping and starting I don't think it was a really good start because of that Though, I don't know I want to see what Monster Squad's up to here Especially Hyena Man Look at that guy Look at these <laughs> all cybernetic and stuff They're pretty cool, right? Oh, and geez. and again, if you tell me that this is what those guys Were trying to fight or track down at the beginning Now I'm starting to uh, realize That they might not be pieces of the crap I wish that they would have hunted these things down Because they're a monstrosity <laughs> But Or is this... Some of the people who already got experimented on, I don't know. I don't know I don't at either. all. It's so crazy. I, don't know I what's guess, going on. I, I guess I would call the guy in the back the alien type. You said I'd call him Mantis. I'd call the other guy Hyena Face, and then I'd call the other one <laughs> Chick, <laughs> Chick with a weird arm, and then some more. Said they all have that cybernetic thing. That must be that half cybernetic. Yeah, they're all crazy. like
1: cyber cyber animal monstrosity. <laughs> and I
0: love chill. You end up seeing, you know, a werewolf by night. Jake, he turns like, eh, watch out! And he turns, and they're like, "Who the f are you?" I'm like, "Really? If this, you would guess that they're going to join up with him, and this will be his team." I'm guessing they were experimented on. They were coming to free them as well. But I don't know that a book with this group of characters can be taken seriously. I I really don't. But maybe it'll be fun. But this wasn't that fun. What, What do you give this?
1: I don't. I'm gonna give this a five. Just like not an fu five. Just kind of down the middle. I don't care about this book really. I really five, wanted to like I, this. when I it chuckled came at out. the end with the the cliffhanger. I'm like, oh, this is where we're going. Like, if we're gonna go oh, full blown yeah. craziness, let let's dive in and do that instead of like try to set up what what looked to be a real story and then you throw a curveball at the end. Like, I, I can't take this serious anymore. Kind
0: of type thing going well, on with me. Here's but the thing. I didn't it's, enjoy it's the got art some very advanced much, Reviews. It's got some advanced reviews and people are liking it, but they also like that Spider Woman, which you just reminded me. That's what you described basically is that book. You know, if you're going to go full crazy, go full crazy. And that book goes full crazy. But yeah, I'm going to go five as well. Yeah, I I really want to go five. five. I, I, I like what Taboo, I like the message that he's doing and it is a, you know, the whole deal. On the tribal lands and things like that It is a unrepresented You know, type of deal But you gotta have a good story That's all I really want, a good story And then out know where that Pathmind I don't even know what's going I guess maybe Pathmind What will did end- he have to you, do really. with anything? Well, maybe Pathmind will end up becoming their oracle They'll all join together We're gonna have just creature commandos that- times oh. 80
1: Oh, that had to be the guy with the guts all over the place, right? I don't I understand what that scene it's was otherwise. It's not the same <laughs> setup,
0: because it ended up Jesus. having a tower that was destroyed, I and yeah, I, don't I don't know. I'm just confused. I thought too so, many, too, too. Too many there,
1: locations, too many characters in one issue.
0: Legitimately, I'm looking back at Pathmind, and when they take him down, it's so easy that they took him down that it does not seem there's any destruction, really. You know, yeah. they pull them off of the, the roof. Well, but really there's not much tentacles in would ooze or you something. You do have then- <laughs> the hazmat guys there though, so it, it maybe it should be, but the art is not consistent at all no, throughout it's all not. this. And like uh it. really, you know, with Red Wolf and things like that, really you gotta you gotta name all the characters in the book a couple times in a first issue, you know. Have have Jake even in the regular Oh Molly, you're always doing that. Or when you have Hey Red Wolf, you're dead. But it, they just end up not really Using the names much and it gets a little confusing But we're going to move to the next book Which is Guardians of the Galaxy It's Guardians of the Galaxy number 7 And this is a a book That me and you have not really Been down with but you do Like Marvel Boy And Marvel Boy's a focus (laughs) here Now the problem is Is that Al Ewing which I, I can't say That reading Al Ewing stuff even his Newer indie stuff and the Immortal Hulk. I'm I'm never getting that he has a real great sense of humor. That might be me, but I don't think of him as the funny guy. Boy, he gets one joke in this issue where he wants to keep bringing up Adamant, which I'm a big fan Adam Adamant. I don't think that you probably ever have listened to Adamant. But uh, if I looked right up away, a
1: picture, I might know, but uh, not. Off oh, the top if you of looked up head, a no. picture,
0: you will see the outfit that that Marvel Boy's wearing. It is an. Also, that, you know, line across, it's full out out of man. It is. That, that's funny enough. It's funny when one person says it and then maybe they're like, I'm in space. I don't know what's going on. Everybody knows it except Groot. And it just goes on and on and on. Now, you end up having this team, and we'll get into the Is Adam in American
1: Indian? Because he might be canceled nowadays for wearing something no, like that. No, he is
0: not. He is not American <laughs> Indian. He is a British guy. He is. Uh, and so with this, though, so you have this team, right? You have Rocket. He, he shows up at the end. You have Phylavel and Moon Dragon. They have one page where they're going back and forth in a fancy way that it, it's just thrown away. I you think that might that have been the deal. only
1: page I liked in this issue, to be honest with you.
0: Really? Well, yeah, I think that uh, what, Just help me Alex... understand
1: where where Moon Dragon is oh, yeah, right well, now after okay. dealing with, you know...
0: <laughs> I get the idea Other that Hercules that. Hercules is the nice Drax now in this, where instead of Drax being there and everything goes over his head, but then he takes things literally and says he can't, yeah. you end up where you have Hercules, where any problem that comes up, the supposed humor of it is that Hercules is like, whoa, 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 we just need a couple kind words here. To, and Everything, Hercules is smoking pot in the back old. room of this starship. Yeah, here. I think so. I think he might be. And he's got, well, <laughs> he's got that crazy. He looks, he does look a little like if you get that white streaks that he has in his beard, put him in his hair. He's Matt Hardy now. Yeah, and Jeff then I Bridges. might have some fun, right? So you yeah, have all these things going on. And I did enjoy like little things in this but it is an empire tie-in and it seems like way past that and it's like al Ewing gets done empire now he's finally gonna enter it did, into I, did I miss an
1: empire tie-in to guardians that uh hercules and marvel boy hooked up in i mean no when, but when that's, i think happen?
0: that's just here well we never had a empire tie in that's just here and i think that that's just the wink wink to tell you what's going on but yeah seriously but this is the Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. Two factions of the Guardians of the Galaxy led by Nova and Gamora respectively, which formed the aftermath of Star-Lord's death, have reached a tenuous truce after clashing on competing missions. But in the wake of the Katati invasion of Earth and the formation of a kree Scroll alliance under their new Emperor, Doric VIII, a.k.a. Hulkling, a.k.a. Teddy, the teams have no time to properly grieve or bury the hatchet between them, not while the galaxy teeters on the precipice of war written by Al Ewing, art by Maceo Takara, colors by Frederico Blee, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. And with this, you are going to start out with the Guardians. You get a little bit, like you said, you're going to get a little more of an explanation of Philavel Lavelle and Moondragon, the idea that Moondragon, combination of both, and Phi Lavelle, you know, can't love her because it, it would be like it's a cuckold situation yeah. right away, right? So you can't have that. And and that was nice enough. Like you said, it does end up explaining things, but it doesn't make me interested. They just kind of separate. Then you end up with Marvel boy who comes out looking like Adam Ant. This is going to be back and forth. He has to go over to the proscenium where they are going to have a diplomatic conference about how this whole Kree scroll thing is going to advance and what that means for the galactic rules and things like that. And I ended up not really being that interested in the actual conference. I did like the setup to it. I like when we have Richard Ryder and we have Marvel Boy going in. You're being introduced because the the dialogue actually is kind of snappy. And it is kind of funny. But it's weird that I think that what might have happened, and tell me if I'm wrong, is this issue more jokey than anything we've gotten? I mean, we've had some kind of jokes, but this one seemed like it was like, all of a sudden, you have the conference. So, hey, where's the one diplomat? Oh, he went to the bathroom. I, everything seems to be like, and I think that maybe he was told Guardians is supposed to be a little more fun and, and get to it. But even this hinging on I this s- whole conference, it just lasted. It went on too long. For I just me.
1: don't understand the point of this series and what the Guardians' mission is at at, at this juncture. Like they're just they're going to a, a space meeting. This issue. But like, what's their overall goal? Like they split up and and that's where
0: this is what I think the problem is. I think the problem is that you have Al Ewing writing this as not a team. He's writing it as individual characters that have stuff to do and the rest will go along. Even at one point, you have Marvel Boy say, you can't come in with me. This is just for me. No plus ones or twos or anything. And they say, well, why Why'd you bring us? Well, we brought you because this is the Guardians of the Galaxy book and you have to be in it, but you'll be back up and you end up having (laughs) that play out. But the only thing that I thought was really clever in this, and I'm surprised that it is not mentioned, I'm surprised that nobody full out says, what you doing, Super Scroll? Why are you here as a diplomat? Well, that was at the end of Empire. Teddy made him that. Teddy said, you done messed up, Super scrolling. you. Th- I'm going to give you your worst job, the worst thing that you would ever want to do. You're now a diplomat. Ended up, sa- and now he's there. And I thought that was pretty funny, but not really spelled out. And also, not really seeming like he cares that much. It seems like he's kind of in with it, right? He's just, he's there doing the thing. I wish that it stressed more of like, this is hell. I don't want to do this. I thought that would be some fun. It does, I'm telling you, there are some laughs though Because as they go through And basically this whole rundown of the treaty and things like that I'll I'll give it to you in a nutshell Nobody trusts anybody But they're going to go with what the rules were before And we'll see how that works out If Teddy ends up getting killed and he gets abdicated Then we'll, we'll end up changing things And the only really funny thing in this was when you have you know the whole deal where they're talking about it and they end up bringing up what would happen if things really, really, you know, Teddy ends up not being the deal, and that's where Captain Vell Laura, who's you know the second diplomat for the kree Scroll Alliance, pretty much does one of those where I don't know that he th- knew he was talking out loud, where he says, "Oh, if that day ever comes, uh, uh, you know, every weapon. That the Korean scroll permitted or forbidden, I will bury you in the dirt you choose. That you know, he just goes nuts at Marvel Boy and all them. And then Super Scroll's like, yeah, yeah, you could have put that better. And it wasn't a very big diplomatic deal. But the ending of this is basically. Marvel boy has to go take a crap. He's going to go take a crap and he goes in and there's going to be a series of uh, unfortunate events here that lead to people thinking he's murdered everybody because he goes in. The one diplomat that was missing, he's dead. He's just about to die and about to say who did it. Now, here's a little hint. If you're dying out and you're a diplomat, don't go through the shifted form. Not, uh, tell us who it was. Because they don't, they (laughs) never do. He dies. Then it's great, too, because after that goes on, then you end up, and and of course, it has to be the guy who just went off on Marvel Boy, Captain Valora, who ends up saying, okay, you ended up killing this guy. Now I'm going to kill you. His gun somehow shifts around and shoots himself in the head. He dies so that when Super Scroll comes in, it looks like he committed two murders. Uh, But yeah, they're going to have to look into this. And then the fun thing, the Guardians thing of this, and finally we end up getting it at the end, is when Ranger Rocket comes in on the case and you see the Guardians show up. And one of the things at the beginning of this, Rocket wasn't in the beginning because he was off sulking because he's taken... The death of Peter Quill, a little harder than even Gamora, they say. So there he comes in drinking trench coat. They're going to go and they're going to do an investigation. That's kind of funny at the end. But still, it doesn't feel like a, a Guardian's book yet. It, and it, we've already had too much to not feel like a guardian's book that I'm invested in. Uh, anything you want to add? No, I mean not really.
1: I I don't. I am trying. I'm struggling to find the purpose of this book right now. And and Marvel keeps like capital Captain Marveling the guardians of the galaxies where it gets 12 issues and you just do it again. And then you just do it again. And I don't yeah. know, I'm losing interest in the team unless they, they decide to show some themselves. sometimes. I, I, yeah. I, like this I'm book just you. has no
0: purpose to me and I'm struggling to be interested in it. I'm with you. And the, the thing is, here's the deal. We we ended up yelling about Donny Cates uh, guardians of the galaxy. Because it just continued his Thanos story and stuff like that. Never really felt like a full Guardians deal. But that at least had a purpose. You know what I mean? I I didn't like it. I didn't like the purpose that it was to tie up some loose ends of his other stories. But at least if you were interested in those, you'd go. And yeah, I, I agree. I think that this Guardians book is one of those where I don't know... Where you would get this idea like, oh, man, I got to read that first. Or I got to get that to see what happens to these characters. Maybe eventually we'll get there, uh, but it's not right now. But we're going to go to the last book that I'm going to talk to you about tonight. And it's Iron Man number two. We didn't really love the first one. And I can't remember. I, it was the first one on the Patreon. I can't remember. but You know, we even, I talked about it with you. I'm saying, well, you would have on the Patreon, too, you son of a gun. I, I uh, can't remember if we Sometimes I, I get on the off deal. To, to Chase and yeah, Braxton upstairs. That is you, true. <laughs> that is true. Well, <laughs> so we probably did it on the regular. I can't remember, but usually in number one, the uh, you Get Fresh Crew, the boop, we'll grab it. But we weren't that down with it. It just ended up being a book that seemed kind of boring. We didn't really get the concept. We laughed at the idea of Tony doing The Fast and the Furious. Giving up his money, all that You get into this issue And it seems even like we've left some things behind already You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden I don't even know what really is the focus here And like we say about a Thor book That can't get over the idea that Mjolnir is not acting right I don't really need any more of Tony wondering If he's an AI or if he's... I'm kind of done with that, and I think a lot of people were, because in this in this book, you get a call back to Iron Man 2020, and, you know, what, three people are going to know what that is? Because nobody was reading that. I Double A-Ron, he struggled through that, but... <laughs> I, I always say this stuff and probably piss off everybody who liked it, but this is written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Kafu, colors by Frank Dormada and letters by V.C.'s Joe Karamanga. Recently reborn in a new clone body after cheating death, Tony Stark is getting back to basics. He's resigned from the board of Stark Unlimited and is taking a hands-on approach to doing good things in the world, outfitted a new streamlined version of the Iron Man armor. But despite his efforts, he's viewed as out of touch by the very public he's trying to protect. Alongside Hellcat, Tony battles his old foe, the Unicorn, who pledges loyalty to a mysterious other. While Iron Man and Hellcat were able to defeat the Unicorn, Tony was then struck down by a bolt of energy from a hidden source. For Tony isn't the only one who has been reborn, and this familiar cosmic force has set its sights on Iron Man. And yeah, this is the deal. Corvac is here, but I'm really, so the confused with this book the I, I feel like it's
1: a theme tonight for me. But
0: yeah, and the progression is one year ago. We have Korvac. You know, he's there. He's being brought back. He's you know this whole deal. And yeah, okay. There's Korvac. That, that's what you get. And before we even continue, I do have to say that Christopher Cantwell. He did the Doctor Doom book. It had a quirky deal. I mean, you had the crazy time traveling stuff and. All all this nonsense going on with what Dr. Doom, and it was up for an Eisner, which seems to have convinced Marvel that Christopher Cantwell needs to be on more books. Now, the book wasn't selling well, though, and Iron Man hasn't been selling since we started this podcast. We (laughs) end up starting this with (laughs) Fresh Start, and Iron Man has not been a hit. It really hasn't, and I, I can't really see tons of people getting this, if you are gonna read it, I already, after two issues, would say wait for the trade because or or read it on Marvel Unlimited, because it is not anything in two issues that we've gotten that has wowed me to the point where I think I need to read it. But also it reminds me of Christopher Cantwell and even reading Doctor Doom. That I don't remember reading anything else is, but he seems to like I, I would call it the dinner party. Book he has here because he's probably at a dinner party and they say, Oh, what do you do? And he goes, Oh, I write comics. Oh, you write those comics for kids. Well, no, my comics are mature. They're mature and they talk about the esoteric things that go through a hero's life, and I get bored. I really do. And there's a difference between writing a book that's fancy that you might get praise for. There's also the type of book where you just have action, realize that you're writing a comic, you're trying to have fun. Let's get. I like those other books. I like the fun ones. I yeah, like the too. ones that, you know, they have stories that will be remembered because they are cool. And I'm telling you, you end up, I love Daredevil. I'll be talking about that next in the podcast. I, I do love it. I'm not going to say it's a fancy book, it- it's not. I-, I mean, in this issue, you have. Freaking Hammerhead getting his face smashed into a table by Kingpin. That's fun, right? It's fun for a psycho, (laughs) but it's fun for me as well. But you end up where you have this whole deal and you start off, oh, Korvac, he's back. Oh, wow. Really get nothing from it. Then you go off to now where Tony is involved in Arcade doing a pay-per-view wrestling match with the absorbing man, you know, Carl Creel. And this is saying it's in the now, and it even throws me off with what's going on in the current continuity. You have RK who's hanging out yeah, watching Black Widow, and that you have Creole and the Immortal Hulk. So what's going on? And the fu- th- this last half the issue, half the yeah, issue is a wrestling entirety. match. Yeah. yeah, and what it what because what Why? this is is <laughs> Christopher Campwell is trying to give you this fancy deal of. I'm the good guy, Tony Stark, Iron Man, but yet everybody was rooting for Creel. And they were – well, first off, most people are rooting on the Roman way Reigns they He's here bet. a couple
1: of years ago. He's wondering yeah, yes. why he's, everybody's booing him. Yeah, when, why, are you booing? why are you push? booing me?
0: Yeah, and, and so the thing, like I said, he, Tony ends up – he says, I just lost a lot of money for people because he ends up making it so there really is no fight. So right there, I don't care – you are a Buffalo Bills fanatic, a fan of it. You, you live and die. But if you ended up putting money on the Bills for, say, a Super Bowl, and Josh Allen ended up doing the most boneheaded play, I'm not talking about missing wide right. That, that happens. I mean, really, that just, yeah. but I'm talking about he, Josh Allen gets up and runs the wrong way. And lo- you may not like him ever again, not because just that he yeah, was for the hard. Bills. It's because, and you, you end up losing ten thousand dollars, or even it's hard to say your actual team. If you were, if the Eagles were in the Super Bowl and you ended up betting and Carson Wentz did something stupid to lose, you would hate Carson Wentz for the rest of your life. You know, it's tough when it's your team, but if it's not, so he's like, I don't understand. People don't like me. Well, you, you just said that I lost a lot of people, a lot of money. First off, and plus. You're not a likable guy, Tony. You are a rich dude. Now, with this, Christopher Cantwell now is going to go through this to suddenly make this book all about big pharma and the idea of the. And even Hellcat at this point says, y- you're just a rich white guy and nobody likes rich white guys. I'm like, I just, where's the exit? I, I just want to be out of this because it's not fun. It's pointing out a lot of things that get people triggered. It doesn't get me triggered. It just, I'm not into it. So you get yeah, this big either. thing. Oh, no, there is there's problems here. And and I, I do have to say that this part, it kind of made me laugh a little only because Tony now has fought unicorn and now he's going after cardiac. <laughs> and I'm like, really, like this actually is funny. Uh, Tony Stark punches Thanos in the face. Tony Stark, to the, like he he's going after Unicorn and now cardiac, the medical vigilante guy. And he goes and even says to Patsy, Hey, you want to go? And Patsy's trying to, you know, she says, I'm your tough love friend. And she's trying to get him to meditate. She's trying to let him settle down. But even that, I don't need to see three pages of Tony Stark trying to meditate. It just it's just <laughs> not interesting. And yeah, there's action in the whole absorbing man Tony Stark wrestling match, but It also has to have substance. Like every time it does something, it has just a bit not there that I need. And I just don't get it after two issues because he goes to fight cardiac who is all upset because big pharma ends up having the cures and then they charge the people for the deal while they're dying and all this. He has this big giant ball that is, you know, an impenetrable ball with some of stark industry scientists in if Tony Stark, I don't even know what he really wants. What is Tony supposed to just give him billions? Tony doesn't have the money now. He's yeah, he, already given it Tony away. Tony is
1: responsible for fixing the healthcare system of the nation. And, and even, he even kind of
0: says that. <laughs> and he's like, you know, what are you mad? And he says, you're mad because I'm invested in big pharma? And yeah, yeah, that's why. But yeah. he's given up his money. He doesn't. And so he ends up just deciding. And the big hero moment is him trying to blast through. And you end up with this fancy nonsense sphere comprised thirty-two point six. Did you read any of that? It just keeps no. going. Sphere twenty-six point two eight. Adamantium, iron, but, but, dude, repulsive blast, ineffective. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Let's get going. Who where he built just this ends giant
1: up giant, indestructible ball to put people know. in. Black <laughs> Panther.
0: I don't know. You <laughs> end up where there's Tony and has to decide. Okay, boss. What am I looking at? Am I far back? And what he's gonna do is pretty much go on your market set go, fly directly at this ball to crash through it to save these people. This is just Christopher Campbell's way to show Tony is not being selfish. He's being selfless to do this, but he's also trying to kill himself in a heroic way. He actually is getting the data to try to figure out what he can do to die in you know a heroic way so people will like him he's that desperate for people to like him even at a point where you end up having patsy and says hey isn't there somebody you can call to go and and figure i really thought he was going to call cap and just say hey cap you like me yeah i do tony all right i'm good but yeah he ends up where patsy's there a giant laser
1: in this suit of his to just kind of he tries, and
0: it doesn't work. So <laughs> he's just like, okay, I'm, give me the stats. Okay, if you fly from here right into that, you're going to break 17 bones. He doesn't say they're all in his right ear, you know, all those <laughs> bones. There. But you, you go, and he, he ends up crashing into it. and He's kind of like limp, half in, half out. I've seen a video like that, and things get real <laughs> sexy <laughs> after that. But you end up, there's a stuck deal. But You end up where he is in, you know, the hospital. He's hurt. And pretty much all, and now with that, they are taking away cardiac, and it's crazy killer healthcare vigilante. Now, who is interviewing him as he's heading off to the raft? Because that's where it looks like he's going. And uh, you know what? Hey, hey, cardiac, can you talk to us real quick after you tried to murder those people? Yep, Tony Stark and I may have both once lost our hearts, but only one of us has lost our soul. Now I'll tell you, cardiac nonsense, villain, cardiac. Great blurb right there that is a great little bit of uh, you know a speech cover. that is awesome, and there's Tony, what do I have to do? I tried to do all of this and and then the big part is, well, Tony, you know you're gonna have to have this. I hope you have your insurance information. They told me I was <laughs> uninsurable. I'm like, is that what we're getting? I don't have insurance right now, and it's killing me. I don't need Tony Stark to, you know, rail in and have cardiac. Is cardiac getting me health insurance? No, Brandon, that's the answer. The hell with all of them. I don't have insurance. I was yelling at Tanya today. And you could say, why are you yelling at your wife? Because you don't have insurance. You know why? Because I got to yell at somebody, Brandon. I got to let it out. Actually, she's the one who does all the paperwork, stuff like that. And all I keep being told, like me and you both are in the same boat. We, we still haven't gotten our tax return. Neither me or you have gotten our tax return yet. It seems like this insurance is in the same deal. Two three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. She just keeps telling me, I don't know. It seems like everybody's off or something. I'm like, "Eh, I'm gonna go off. This is what I'm gonna do. And then I I will need insurance. I need my medicine. I need one of those government
1: jobs they're paying you for and you don't gotta do anything or show up to. That'd be nice. Yeah,
0: I I need medicine. And lots of it. I need it. I need medicine for all sorts of things, right? So, and and none of them in the sack, though. I want to say that. I think people are like, "What is he telling us?" (laughs) Uh, I I definitely need cholesterol Mm. medicine and high blood pressure medicine. If you don't know, uh, I can't tell. But also that Adderall, not having it is it is really like warped about six months of my life now, where I am I'm in a haze half the time of not knowing what I'm doing and just craziness. My just sitting there trying to pay attention But yeah, you end up where it's the big deal And they're in the hospital Tony's like, I don't understand And even Patsy's like, you know You should have you know, never let anybody know your identity He's like, eh. And then there's a big thing Whoop, whoop, whoop Patient, Milos Masaryk Oh no, it's Unicorn <laughs> He's escaping <laughs> And then Unicorn just comes in I am going with the true God He calls me to the electricity And here we go again we end up pretty much going through a nonsense issue for the second issue. This is the second issue where you get so waylaid by number one, wrestling, which me and you love, but then number two, big pharma and insurance, only then no. to get at the end to say, Oh my god, my one true God electricity. Oh yeah, that's what this was about. What why are we having a cool down issue for the second issue? Why are we wasting time with these social issues that, yeah, I just said, very personal to me. I don't have insurance, but I don't need to see that here. When we started up a story that completely gets, you know, derailed, you can't do them yeah. in a second issue. This book, and I this, think,
1: needs the ADD medication you're missing because yeah, it, it really. goes back and forth from f- topics that like are mildly and interesting Iron Man wrestling to. Oh, yeah, you're right. Big now, pharma again, yeah. and insurance. Big pharma. Now, again, remember, now after wrestling. me and you
0: read, me and you read <sighs> Dr. Doom, a lot of that was, oh, my, we have to get rid of the trash, but why? Why? how dare we throw it into a black hole? I mean, these are the things that are topics in these books that, eh. You know, yeah, I, I'm yeah, not really I that care. interested in. I come
1: to I these ju- books to get away from these topics that flood my Twitter no. streams all day long. You know what no, I'm saying? I, like, don't, I don't, don't need. Think, to I don't be think reminded this is about last. insurance woes in
0: Iron Man comic books. No, I, I just and he <laughs> sold. He got rid of all his stocks and things like that. Now I'm thinking, why didn't he keep them and just get you know, hey, universal healthcare on me? Here we go. It's the uh, Tony Stark care. I don't know. Yeah. But it's I'll just it for what, everyone we for a year. what are there we doing? There you go, I, happy? Yeah, I don't mind the idea that he is upset where people don't like him, but there's more reasons they're not liking you. Number one, you done messed up in that empire deal and pretty much caused. A lot of people to die because of your stupidity. Right there. Bring that up. It's not big pharma, it's big empire nonsense. And just the idea of the superheroes that are flying around, they're not there to pick up the pieces You know, you have that sort of thing in like the Juggernaut book that I actually like that little aside where juggernaut's cleaning up after. But this I just don't get. I don't get why we're focusing like this on a Iron Man. Who should be a big book, but hasn't been. And I don't think this is the way to do it. I don't think this is going to be the one that gets, you know, 200,000 people reading Iron Man. I think that this book will last, you know, if it lasts two trades, if it lasts to 10, I'll be shocked. I'm. I wouldn't be shocked though if they said it's it's ending at six when we get. I guess it'll just continue. I, a lot of these books now just keep going on, but I can't see this being a big deal. Of people reading it and stuff like that. But I, I'm gonna give this a five again. I'm. <laughs> I'm telling you, it may even be the F.U. variety, but I did like the art. Yeah, this enough, one so I am just gonna getting go that five. Me. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I'm gonna five. give You're going this one a special. Five? Yeah,
1: I, I just. This one also is another book that confuses me is just to the point of it. Like, are we still dealing with Tony, like, and the aftermath of him dying and coming back? I yeah, know, they in, see. He even says, un- he un- says unnormal he's not methods. sure. I just, I just, it's a dumb plot point Dan Slott and Brian Michael Bendis created. And let's just move on from it because it's brought the yeah, Iron Yeah, they Man can't book seem to get away from long. it. They
0: can't seem to get away no, from that stuff. Nobody can. And it's not that fun. He's back. It's let's not... ignore it,
1: you know? Oh, it's driving me nuts!
0: But you, Ugh. you know, well, you man you should you read be an it.
1: easy book to just have fun adventures with. You know what I'm mean? just mindless fun, twenty page comics, and they can't get that right. I don't know. And
0: here's the deal: I'm not going to say that every book has to be mindless fun, but at this point, nothing is working with this. You know, and it, I say this: I don't know the sales of this now. It's hard to find actual sales numbers now. But I know people people down at the malt shop they ain't talking about this. And talking about this book, they're talk, they talking about nothing down at the mall shop except their next malt. But still, there you go, But, Yeah, I don't. We talk to a lot of people who read both Marvel and DC comics. They'll end up throwing out a lot of things. Say, hey, everybody, you got to read this. You got to read that. You got to. I have not heard one person mention this book. Not one mention, except one time. <laughs> Clay, who read it and reviewed it, said. What the heck is this book? Nothing happens. That's what, So I heard one person <laughs> and said exactly what we said. So I, I just, five out of ten, you're going FU5. Screw this. Yeah. We're going to get yeah, out of here. I, just, I where, can't where, get into do it. Do we have an Iron Man song? I can play now because now I'm getting angry. But luckily I did save some good books to finish the podcast. So You can get back to you know a positive deal because we're going to go off and I'll finish this up with a couple of books right about... And he tells me that he won't be a no-show. But when it's time to do the show, he's a no-go. And I'm just like, hey, are you okay? And I ain't trying to mess with it, then i obsession. But you know the bills I'm winning, Andrew and you're Ah, yes, and I am back with a little bit of some shade there sung at Brandome, because I'm going to continue on with two books to end this. Now, this next book, I've been pushing That we're going to be talking about Daredevil But first we're going to talk a little Maestro number three It's going to be very quick This is a very quick read Uh, I'm enjoying it I'm enjoying it enough It's one of those books that's kind of a guilty pleasure At points for me Because of the idea that it is so quick A read It's not giving you a ton But we are leading to what ends up Future Imperfect We're seeing this whole deal develop with the whole cure And there has been a report That we're going to even continue this Going on into 2021 So that's pretty cool But it is Maestro number 3 Written by Peter David With art by Hermon Peralta Not Jake Peralta Colors by Jesus Erbatov Relics artist by Dale Keown Relics color artist Jason Keith Letterer VCs Ariana Mayor, the Hulk woke up from suspended animation in a future devastated by war. Most of humanity is dead, and the only superpowered beings who remain are kept locked up by AIM under the control of a decrepit MODOK. But AIM's not the only survivalist game in town. Machine Man is the leader of a small group of people hiding under the remains of the White House. A man named Boz has organized a desert community called the Wasteland Survivalists, and unbeknownst to the Hulk, his old pal Rick Jones is still alive, confined find a wheelchair, and in an underground lair populated with grisly mementos of Earth's greatest heroes. Now, the Hulks come face-to-face with this world's top dog, the ruler of the city of Dystopia. They call him the maestro, but you end up having Hulk once known as Hercules, and yeah, there you go. A Hulk ends up coming in and seeing that, indeed, you have Hercules. Running the show, and it's a Hercules that's very excited to see Hulk And ends up punching him right in the chops Because he hasn't really been able to let loose on anybody Because, you know, you don't have a Hulk around And so you get a really quick, and I mean, this is quick Where all of a sudden, oh my god, Hulk, what's up? It's me, Hercules, boom, let's fight Ha ha, it's fight time And they end up going at the point where Hulk's trying to like, you know, what are you doing, you big oaf? Just stop! He ends up punching Hercules. Hercules loves it. He's like a hit, a palpable hit. Oh my goodness, I have waxed nostalgic for these days to return again. You're getting the idea that Hercules has gone a little stir crazy here in the post-apocalyptic world, and hasn't had anybody that he can let loose with. And and we have this a lot of times in comics where you get these. Pretty much gods, semi-gods, all these, being able to finally let loose, and they enjoy it, and you end up having Hercules pretty much do the jump up in the air, fist slam into Hulk that ends up breaking open the ground they're at, and he goes down below, which down below is the subway cars and all this sort of thing going on where hulk then tries to gather his wits and a guy and a girl come out of the shadows and say hey dr banner uh you want to come with us he's like not right now i got things i'm doing no 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 uh my name is dacord this is piz fizz and he's like i don't care about your names oh oh there's another name we're gonna throw out here rick jones he wants to see you and he's what the heck did you just say to me? So, of course, he's going to go off to see what's up with Rick Jones. Rick Jones is in this underground lair, like it said in that intro deal, surrounded by mementos and trophies and treasures of all the Earth's greatest heroes, mightiest heroes. As Hercules is like, where the heck did Hulk go? When he goes down, he's like, ha ha, all right, Hulk. Well, I like hitting you and all, oh, whatever, but... You should come up out now. We got a lot of ladies that want to get to meet you. I got a party going. We're gonna have a kegger back at the old, you know, Acropolis. Let's go. And you end up where he's not there. Well, you see that Rick Jones kind of explains this. Rick Jones's granddaughter daughter Janice, named after Janice Joplin. That's just thrown in here. I like to where you end up having Rick Jones set up pretty much a Super Bowl esque spread. He's got some Chips. He's got the tortilla chips. He's got beers, and I love seeing Hulk drinking this little tiny beer. It almost looks like those gummy, you know, the gummy root beers that I like. He's he's doing that, but then you end up getting the idea of, you know, Rick Jones saying, "Listen, you know, Hercules, he's not the same. He really only cares about himself. He cares about the ladies. He loves to party hardy. He's like Spuds McKenzie, the original party animal, right?" Uh, but it's it's not the grace. He's not Alex from Stroh's. Nobody's here. Alex from Stroh's, by the way. And you end up having Rick say he doesn't care, though, about the ordinary people. The regular run-of-the-mill schmoes like everybody listening to this and me. And we're not demigods, I, I guess. I don't know. Maybe a demigod can listen to this. I think they'd be up to something a little more important. But that's where Hulk says, "Why? why should he? Why should he think of the ordinary people? And this leads from what we already saw. The idea that regular people ended up ruining the world. And Hulk says this as he is a jerk and throws the chips everywhere. You don't have to get mad at the chips, Hulk. They didn't do anything. Poor Rick's there in his mechanical wheelchair slash rocket ship. He just wants to eat some nachos and you're throwing them all over to show how mad you are. Also part of Silver Surfer's surfboard there as well. Um, But yeah, he says... The people, ordinary people, they caused all the destruction. Now, if you tell me that they should be wiped out, that's one thing. But maybe they need to be ruled, ruled with an iron hand. Maybe, maybe if we gather up these ordinary people and turn them into an army, we can take this world back and have the unity that we need. And Rick says, you know, under whose rule? Yours, well, that seems like a challenge. It really does. And Hulk's like, yeah, yeah, we could do worse. And Rick says, you sound like Dr. Doom. No counters with maybe Doom was right. I mean, really, when you're there in a post-apocalyptic world that was caused by nuclear destruction, maybe the bad guys might have had the right idea, or at least certain bad guys. Because if Doom was controlling the world earlier, maybe this wouldn't have happened. So Hulk's like, maybe, but. I need a lab, I need something I want to go down to the lab, mix up some beats Possibly make a clone army, we'll see And that's where you end up having Rick Take him to Alchemex, whatnot And he goes to Alchemex, goes through Ends up getting to almost like a crossroads In this story Where you can go one way for lab rats The other to genetics He ends up going lab rat way And he even says, that would be kind of cool Even if it is literal and there are cybernetic lab rats That'd be pretty cool And I could probably make an army out of those But when he goes in there's a bunch of cloned bodies Like ready to be activated He ends up like Alright I know what I'm going to be doing For a couple months And that's when you do see He goes to take a visit again to Hercules He ends up pretty much going And Hercules has a woman he's taking to his bed chambers At this point He gets interrupted Like don't interrupt me when I'm heading to the bed chambers Oh no, no, Hulk's there. It's almost like what happened earlier with Hulk with Rick Jones. What? What the hell did you say? The Hulk. All right. And he goes. Well, Hulk is pretty much talking to the people at Dystopia here. and Hey everybody, I'm Hulk. You may remember me, you may have heard of me. And uh yeah, anybody want to gather with me form an army where we're gonna go off and pretty much fight everybody else and make this new world order that i have in mind everybody's like what no i don't think so and he's like well maybe i can up the ante here i have these war dogs these cybernetic war dogs that so we can go and pretty much clean up everything and all the destruction we even leave ourselves these war dogs they'll clean up is it you know all this stuff going on anybody else you know does this up the ante anybody went in no way, you're, you're flarking nuts You know, all this stuff I'm not with that flark of that Everybody with their space age, you know, future cursing I love the idea where you have that with the, you know, "fark off or flark this here uh, Yeah, that's the, or, or frack off What happens in the future that they stop cursing and use nonsense? Oh, you drag, you know I think some of these curse words, they, they're, they're timeless to me I like using them, but not on this podcast. So Hulk says, what? You cursing at me with your future language? Well, the hell with you then, because you're going to have it your way. Sick 'em, boys. And you end up having these cybernetic war dogs now go and attack the, quote, ordinary people here. Dystopian, that's where you end up having Hercules showing up in his flying scooter. We got a ball game now, boys. and Now it's going to be a big battle. It says to be continued. It's such a quick read. It's fun, though. It actually is pretty fun. Then you have relics two of three at the end. And we saw Rick Jones with his relics. Now we go and see how he was collecting them. And then in this, how Marlowe ends up getting killed. And this is something that Rick mentions early when Hulk says, who cares about ordinary people? And Rick says, well, Marlowe was ordinary. So was Betty. And so were you at a point. And I am as well. So I kind of do. So you, you kind of get. This. And again, you end up with this whole relics thing that really doesn't mean that much. But overall, this book is kind of fun. I like the art. I think that the story's kind of goofy with especially when Hercules shows up. You know, Party Hardy Hercules is pretty cool. And overall, it's nothing that's going to be remembered for the ages. But right now, with everything going on and whatnot, I don't mind it at all. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 just as a a guilty pleasure of mine right now. But I'm going to continue now with the book that I've been hinting at as one of my favorites. And I actually am surprised because I talked to some people tonight that ended up saying that they thought this issue and the last were down. I actually really like this issue Uh, pretty much putting into perspective how Matt thinks that he is doing the right thing but some don't some are trying to help him but he's mad about that and then he's setting things up before he does inevitably go to jail as daredevil even though you kind of have an out that he could use by just taking off the costume and pretending you yeah, no daredevil i don't know who you're talking about i'm matt murdoch but at the end of this kind of throws a little snafu At that, but we'll get into that right now. All right. And Daredevil number 23 is written by Chip Sadarsky with art by Marco Caceto, colors by Marcel Menez, and letters by VC's Clayton Cowles. Daredevil is in need of help as Daredevil Matt Murdock is being put on trial for the murder of Leo Carrero. To save Hell's Kitchen from the Stromwind siblings, a pair of ultra-rich upper-crust socialites, Daredevil recruited the help of Tony Stark to bid for the properties of the kitchen. To build the best defense, Team Foggy recruited the help of one of the best lawyers he and Matt know, Kirsten McDuffie, Matt's former lover. And that's where we start off by... Getting a little background of Kirsten who ended up Loving Matt he loved her back Until he had to get rid of her because He ended up having the Identity revealed But then forgotten by the Purple children everybody Forgot who he was And that made Kirsten forget That Matt Murdock was a daredevil And then because of that He ended up breaking up with her because The identity was way More important to him than the love and and this is something that's been eating at him it's eating at him now and he ends up sitting in there where foggy and kirsten are going through their deal they're getting the defense ready this whole idea and and one of the things that goes in my mind consistently in this as we're heading towards the trial is that what would happen or what will happen if foggy and kirsten get Daredevil off and he doesn't And maybe in a loophole or something That they end up doing where Daredevil Matt Murdock doesn't get That resolution that he Wants he wants to pay for His crime but maybe He won't so that kind of Interests me the idea that foggy has Got kirsten because he says she is The best lawyer that we know Well this ends up pissing Matt off he ends up saying F you foggy you know you're a jerk Because He doesn't want her around. And this is the idea where Foggy pretty much throws it back and says, you know, whatever you have guilt about breaking her heart and having the identity be more important. Don't throw that back at me. I have her because she's the best lawyer. You need people. You need people around you. You need people to help you. And you end up, Matt, just jumping out the window. And going off as Daredevil as we've seen Even in the last issue where he's going to try to Get things straightened up, get things done And and also it seems fighting some crime as this goes on He ends up going though then And goes and meets up with Elektra And he had just done a deal with Elektra Where she ended up stealing billions from the Stromwinds. All these things going on with this And He ends up calling her selfish. Oh, you're selfish with this. And she says, oh, no, you're the one selfish. And I really like this line that she ends up using, that you, meaning Matt, you're you're hiding your selfishness as selflessness. You end up pretending that you are selfless because you're turning yourself in. But you're going to get a lot of people killed. Well, if you go to jail, you know, people like us, we save lives, especially you, Matt. You save lives. When you go into jail, you're going to end up pretty much committing a lot of people to death, you know, just because you ended up accidentally killing one man. So don't fool yourself. Don't think that you are the selfless man that you say, because what you're doing is only for yourself, for this guilt that you have, but you're going to put a lot of other people in danger. And he's like, yeah, what about those billions you stole for yourself? And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow your roll there, buddy, because I did that to fund a new attack deal. Because I don't know if you've heard, and I don't know if people listening to this, you saw what happened in the last X Force issue, but the hand has upped their game. This is something that Electra is well aware of, said they have a new leader, they have all this, and and really it's, you know, hell. They are teaming up, they're getting all these things, and she says we're going to need. You know, a a thing We're going to need this money to be used To go and fight them Uh, Also, I need you I I can't do this This is what Stick wanted us to do Please, we need to do this He's like, eh, pedal your ancient war somewhere else, Electra. You know, let's go And he ends up hoping that maybe You know, she could have helped During this whole Hell's Kitchen deal Maybe that money would help out as well But she just ends up Oh, well, I'm off you're a jerk. And she says, You wanna help the kitchen? You know, I know of a meeting tonight. And this is where he ends up getting info. And you kinda think, Okay, well, he's gonna go off with Electra. He doesn't end up going off with Electra. He actually calls Spider-Man and the meeting is Kingpin. Kingpin has all of the remaining you know, heads of the families. You end up having Owsley go way off the ranch and ended up screwing things up. Now he's in Rikers. So now Kingpin, instead of just saying, listen, you know, I'm back, I'm the Kingpin, I'm going to control you, which would probably be the best for everyone, including just regular people, because people are dying because of all this stuff going on with these guys. And one of the guys who is pretty pissed off is Hammerhead. Which we ended up seeing that Izzy shot. And Izzy was protecting the kitchen, Hell's Kitchen. When Hammerhead came in, Izzy said, you're not from the kitchen. What are you doing? You know, you're overstepping your bounds. Now, Hammerhead, in this meeting, that really reminds me of, like, the Untouchables. You end up having Al Capone. Robert De Niro talking about a baseball game And how people have to play as a team And things right before he bashes guys Head over with a bat Well this is where Kingpin is trying to talk And say you know everybody here You guys done messed up I ended up giving you the You know the route that we should all follow If everybody would have stayed within their Means and bounds nothing would have happened Yeah Owsley messed up He wasn't the only one And so I have to come back and talk to you jerks, you schlubs here, because I'm still going to be mayor. I can't be the kingpin here like that, but I can still oversee things, and I can demand things, and I can tell you what you're going to do. And by the way, Hammerhead, you know, you might bitch and moan here about how you're not getting respect and Alzi messed up, but so did you. You jerk and ends up grabbing him by the back of the head and just slamming his head into the table over and over and Over and just bloodying Him up it's just Awfully and he's just left there In a puddle of blood there you know With his head down in it And again this is showing Everybody including You know in the comic but also the Reader the kingpins back this this Sniveling guy who was running scared of The strong he already Said last issue that he's back baby And he's showing it here and he Says the new kingpin is Izzy Izzy is the one who followed the rules Izzy is the one who went and played the game The way she was supposed to so she is going To be rewarded she is the kingpin you Treat her like the kingpin because she Is and if you mess up then You're gonna have to deal with me and look what I just Did to hammerhead well while that's Going on they're doing this in a vault In the bank and The vault door gets ripped open And daredevil comes in And says all right everybody You guys better stop this I'm watching You all that and kingpin he, he's not batting an eye. He says, you know, this is pretty crazy for a guy to do this to the mayor with a trial date coming up. I mean, this is ridiculous. And that's where Daredevil says. I'm here to let you know I'm listening. I'm watching. And even from prison, I'm going to make your lives hell. And you end up where they're listening to him. They're like, really? Like, we're going to listen to you. You're going to rot in hell. You're going to get killed in prison. You're going to be meat. It's going to be crazy. And Daredevil says, maybe. But, you know, I have some other people around. It's not just me. And you end up with a pretty, like, if you're going to get a horrific looking Spider-Man, it's going to be Spider-Man in the shadows On a web like looking like he's Waiting to pounce on his prey And that's how this is set up And you end up having daredevil Say I've spent too many years beating up Your goons you low level criminals You scared little men with little Gain and little lose but now your days Are gone so I'm coming for you Ends up throwing down some smoke bombs and Gets out and that's where Izzy's like what have you done to me Now you know Fisk you ended Up setting me up for this nonsense And so it does put the fear into at least the other, you know, crime bosses there Kingpin's just pissed He he looks really pissed Well, we go off then and, and the big deal of this is And even when I saw the coming up this issues cover That had Spider-Man on it Spider-Man has shown up in this run To just basically come and say to Matt To say to Daredevil You're done You're not allowed to be Daredevil You killed somebody You're done, you're done, you're done, you're done. And now you end up, okay, well, why is Spidey working with them? And Matt went to him. Spider-Man even says, I'm surprised you did come to me. But they start to talk. And I didn't think that I had in my mind the connection between Daredevil and Spider-Man enough that I'd actually get some feels from then discussing things. But when Matt says to Spidey, hey, you're a good guy. I, you know, whatever we have between us, you are. A good guy. And even Spider-Man says the same thing. But he's like, I needed to set things right before I ended up going to prison. I didn't want to go to prison thinking that you were thinking bad of me. But he also kind of needs him to look after. Because overall, when all is said and done, he says to Spider-Man, we both care about this city. We both care about New York City. Yeah, we might care about different things in it. But I, we both do. And this is where... Spider-Man opens up and says, hey, I'm sorry the way I've been acting. I haven't been giving you the benefit of the doubt. Now, I just want you to know, I killed somebody once. I actually accidentally killed. And you see, see Spider-Man versus Wolverine number one. And he says, me and Wolverine were involved. I was in over my head. I threw a wild punch and it was horrible and I didn't know what to do. I just didn't know what to do. And you end up having Spider-Man say, it's kind of eaten at me. All along, Uh, I've never told anybody, you know, besides Wolverine, you know, he but I was mad at myself for not turning myself in. Uh, But yeah, thanks. And Matt goes over and just hugs him. And they just kind of stop and hug each other there. And it says they talked for hours, they talked about the fears, the things we've done. And it, it gives you that idea of, while they're not necessarily the same type of characters. They kind of are in a bit, and they're just regular guys, and this is something that they want to get things off the chest, and when you end up having pretty much Spider-Man and Matt and Peter end up on top of uh, a certain bridge, it ends up really hitting home that they're really talking about some of the things that have happened to them and, and how much they care and how much... You know, even the idea of just being able to open up with somebody who knows this lifestyle, knows what you have to do—it's—it's one thing for Matt to go to Foggy and say, "Man, this is tough," but to talk to Spider-Man about it and to agree and talk about how this thing's—I think that that is really cool. Now, with all this going on, at a point in this issue, you end up having Foggy and Kirsten having a drink, and Kirsten's like, "Okay, well, we got." You know this defense going but really Where's Matt because Matt should be the first one that You would have called not me it's weird To have a you know a defense Team here Matt always ends up Being there for daredevil where Is he I'm fucking uh, uh, uh. And then we see at the end Where is a funny cliffhanger that leads Out of the annual that we had A couple months ago which I really liked Where we ended up seeing Mike Murdoch which is the at first made up, you know, guy in Matt's Matt was going to the whole identity was going to be revealed. So he ends up saying, I'm not Daredevil. How could I be Daredevil? I'm blind. What you think is me is actually my twin brother, Mike, who ended up in, you know, I don't believe it. Well, you end up having Matt for a while pretending at points. Hey, I got to go. And it's like one of those things. I'm going to go to the bathroom goes up and then mike shows up and like hey where's matt we must see matt by the i gotta go in this other room and then so you have that and and mike was always way over the top way over the top just like hey baby and calling you know hey there Tubelard. you yell yeah, at fog is so funny well in that annual you ended up because in charles Soule run he ended up having that the reader Ended up reading a thing on Mike Murdoch, which made him become a reality, but didn't really have a life, and in the last annual, ended up using the stone deal, a wishing stone that he ended up having there uh, to make himself a real person. So that whole thing was set up to go here, where it's hilarious, because now it looks like Mike is now going full circle around and pretending that he's mad for this so you have matt who has to pretend to be mike at points to go do this whole deal for the identity and now it's mike who has to pretend he's matt to keep that identity it's all sort of a a thing that swirls around it's funny i really like it and i think that this book is great i really do love this book i love the art i think that the story ends up even these cool down issues as we're leading towards The trial always have something that I like. I like the talk with Electra. You know, you're getting that idea of Matt, oh man, I got to go to jail because I killed one guy where he's trying to say this to Electra, who's killed so many people and just like, no, that's what we do. And you are better off being out of jail than in, you could save more people than just because you killed one person, doesn't matter. Then going off and making things right with Spidey. And then finding out that, yes, a lot of the heroes, they have the same issues. They have the same deal. They're real people. So let's talk about things and get things off our chest and get things right there and have Spidey then go off. And if Matt does go to jail, you'll have some people looking off Kingpin with that, with Izzy Hammerhead. That's really good. But then at the end, I'm telling you, the whole deal. And I I think I even try to explain the Mike Murdoch stuff. It, It gets so convoluted, but it's so funny the way that that all came about, what Chip Zdarsky's playing with. So because of that, and I was told I was being a little positive for this, but, hey, if I'm going to be positive, I might as well be positive about a book that I've been loving since it started. So I ended up giving this a 9.5. It's my favorite book of the week, but it usually is when it comes out. I'm a little biased, I will admit. But if you haven't checked it out, I do think – you should kind of give it a shot and you could start from the beginning, and go, I-, I dare you to go until you don't like it. That's that's would be my deal there. And we'll see if you can get all the way to issue twenty three and say, Boy, I liked every one. Maybe. I did. But that's it. Thanks everybody for listening. This is a longer episode. I guess said at the very, very beginning, way, way back that I'm going to try to get things a little tighter. I'm going to try to get things where we can get through a bunch of books in a reasonable amount of time. I, To me, I'd like it to be about an hour and a half. This one went a little longer. Again, we're trying to get used to more books and all that stuff. So forgive me as we get used to that. But if you want to get more of us. If that's not enough, you can certainly go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science and give us a little encouragement for what we do here, but also get a lot of things in return. And just to show or kind of demonstrate that we do a lot of stuff, I'll just let you know that today, this very day that I recorded this, which was Wednesday Uh, October 21st I ended up doing an indie Indie comics podcast A podcast on Batman Beyond the Cartoon I ended up also doing A spotlight with Brandon That involved Juggernaut and Spider Woman, And now end up doing This podcast that's just one day So it shows you a lot of that stuff Being on the Patreon Everything I mention except This actual podcast being on the Patreon so you do get plenty Again patreon.com slash weird science so thanks everybody thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed it again one more thing if you want to email let us know even if it isn't for the show you can actually say this isn't for the show but hey i think you should do this or hey i don't like that or i like that whatever it would be it's a weird science marvel comics at gmail.com all of these things are in the show notes as well so thanks everybody and i'll talk to you later